0: Out of my podcast, say fuck, fuck, mom. Say get the fuck out of my podcast. Get the fuck out of my podcast.
1: Doesn't she say you fuck or you fucks or something like that? On here, it just says fuck. But I think she says. Do you remember? Let me look.
2: Mm, I don't remember. I just watched it again. It's but. such a
1: sweet moment, yeah. in my opinion, like genuinely sweet. And I just, I like it. I like that he builds in the little like bonding, sort of teeny teen up teen grown-up moment you know yes. in this very very tense moment but i think she literally says like you fuck and you even see the robbers being like
3: huh <laughs> like, like, with
1: I, specific thing This, i imagine we're going to talk about it a lot but it still just defies
0: logic that this movie was not designed for and built around jodie foster from the beginning that is it is so true it, it, yes, it is. Yes, of course. You're like, yeah, of course. Like, yeah. this feels like the movie that is like Jodie Foster in her 40s comes to Sony and says, I want to do a thriller. Pitch me something. And they go, we'll get our top team on it. 100%. Right. right. Rather and than I want to do a she...
1: mother-daughter movie. Well, well, Kristen Stewart could play your daughter. Right. 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 She everything totally could. Yes. yes. And instead, it's like, no, uh, we, we brought her in a week, you know, into filming. Two weeks into filming or whatever.
0: Two weeks into filming. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, everything about it is... Bizarre. And I do think it sort of set a template for what felt like, oh, this is Jodie Foster's next phase that then went, sort of died prematurely. What about the flight plan? Well, well flight we'll plan was we'll the we'll one. Talk this. We'll talk about We'll talk about all of this. We got so much to talk about. It's a normal episode. We can just chill out. We can be calm and relaxed. No
1: bits planned. No bits <laughs> plans. We're just here. <laughs> we have a little, like, screen. Yeah. Bits planned, zero. None. <laughs> Days since Bits.
2: <laughs> the Studio 60 board with its <sighs> blank.
0: The count. Yeah. Nothing. We're just s- looking at a cork board. Guys,
1: Post Malone is the musical guys, guest next week. Guys, but, solidarity yeah. with the writers. Yes. I know we have a writer with We have us, a writer you know? with us. A yes. great writer. And I, I think they should, you know, they should hold out for the best deal they can possibly get. They must. Get. Well, I miss Studio 60 oh. every week. <laughs> I miss those guys. I miss it. Oh, well, uh, what like, are all their names? I'm gonna have be, to I'm gonna Google now. Who would uh, they be saying
0: about the Russian coup? They're oh, the only oh boy. they have the razor sharp wit to handle a sensitive situation. Tom like Jeter.
2: That. Russian cuckoo, I think would be the name of the sketch. Russian
1: cuckoo? Yeah. Wow, Rob Reiner hosting again? It'd be a game show somehow. <laughs> One of my favorite things is Who that, Wants to Rule Russia? In in Studio Sixty, Rob Reiner is the guest host of whatever. So I'm like, yeah. Rob Reiner? Yes. <laughs>
0: Who are the guest hosts you know exist in the Studio sixty universe? Rob Reiner, Felicity Huffman, St- okay. a
2: Sting plays the lute.
1: Right, he does play the lute. But
2: is he? But hosts even that, right? They're like, and hey, Sting, guests? come and do some music. Yeah,
1: and he's like, yeah, lute music. And they're yeah. like of course, this is Studio sixty. It's classy as fuck.
0: There's that weird exchange where Christine Lottie is the like the embedded journalist. Yes, yeah, she's the Vanity um, Fair. She's like
1: Maureen Dowd or whatever. Right. right. Yeah,
0: and yeah. she's talking to Sarah Paulson. I think. Sure. Or Amanda P. crazy Pete. Christian. They're watching him just do an impromptu sitar set. Yeah, he's doing yeah. some loot. Right. He's laying, he's laying
1: down a loot bed.
0: Right. And I, Christine Lottie, I think, says, I love watching him work his instrument. <laughs> and the other character goes, which one?
2: Ooh. I'm like, that, what, what do you
1: mean? You <laughs> haven't watched him work his dick?
3: <laughs> Maybe she has. What <laughs> are you talking Hollywood's about? It's crazy. Yeah.
1: I mean... I have so many. We could go in so many directions here. Uh, I just, We're I, setting I, up threads. We're a setting up subplot threads. Perfectly planned. in the yeah. television show Studio sure. 60 on the Sunset Strip. Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Is the uh,
0: fictional series
1: about the making of the very, the very real, real sketch show that exists in our universe. No no. You know, Amanda Peet's character, Jordan McDear is the yes. new head of program. Of course. <laughs> and her big thing is that she wants to have a show about the UN. Yes. She's like, I have a hit. Idea for a big drama. It's about the UN, right? And fucking, she's pitching fake West Wing, basically, right? And fucking, ta- Stephen Weber, the, yeah. the like head of the network, yeah, is like boring, and she's like, God, no one understands me, and I'm like, that would be so boring, a show yes. about the UN. That every week they're like, wow, well, we didn't get much done.
0: Model UN's a better show,
1: <laughs> yeah, because
0: least... then it's like teens, teens awkward hooking
1: up. Yeah,
2: I do think that the sting instrument episode is also the one where the old man is wandering the halls and then they find out that he was a blacklisted it's writer li- and it's
1: literally okay. fucking eli wallach it's yes. the same plot as the holiday yes it's eli wallach in both stories yes they aired around the same time <laughs> yes and it's I, both that- the- I guess it's in the holiday he's not blacklisted and in this one he is correct so in the holiday he's just old he's just old right there's no there's no uh sad history beyond that he's right. old and cannot right. climb Father stairs Time's getting ready to blacklist him <laughs>
2: He's like, I remember these halls. I worked in this room. It's so like,
1: wild. like shut up, old man. And they're yeah. like,
2: Oh no, I figured out who you are this way, sir. Right. And they let him live out. Yes. And I think it's also the Abbot Costello episode. I think it's all well, one episode. The, the one where I fucking Nick Cawtray
1: gives his yes. parents an LP of who's
2: on. The first. It, it the is. Most, you should be put in jail. I
0: have since watched the entire show. You're, you're <laughs> going to listen, and then you're going to laugh,
2: and then you're going to listen again, and laugh even more. <laughs> what if your? It's called. Your who's parents unemployed.
1: didn't understand your your you you're like hey parents I want to be in comedy and they're like well we don't understand that and you, your reaction to that was here's an LP of the the who's on first joke yeah the routine your parents didn't
0: get your career and you gave them an lp of the first
4: episode uh, of wtf here's
1: no but it's like you're like here's a joke from before you were born
4: so that you can understand comedy it would probably not go over well (laughs) they'd be like yeah we know who's on first how do you make money doing this
1: (laughs) yeah we're aware who's on first it's his name your Come par- up with an equally important
0: bit. <laughs> your your parents don't understand podcasting, so you give them the first wax cylinder recording. You're <laughs> going to listen and you're going to hear voices.
2: And the thing that prompts this is that he's giving his dad a, a tour of the studio. And in right. the middle of it, his dad stops, turns him and screams, your, your brother is in the middle of it, Afghanistan right now. Yes. God, what a show. And that's why
0: his parents seem unimpressed and instead they are actively hostile because he's not putting then, his life on the line right. for his Even though
1: country. their son is making millions of dollars on Geter. a network television show. He's Tom G. He's Fox. the cutie pie of fucking Studio 60.
0: <laughs> he was the it guy. He was going to move to features. He was he? Was <laughs> it felt like it. Yeah. yeah. He was the Jimmy analog, right? What an absolute...
1: Fallon? Is he yes. supposed to be
0: Fallon? I, I, I have the same memory as you, Eva, which I, a couple years ago, watched the whole show after giving up when it originally aired. And I feel like I gave up around episode four or five, and it feels like everything we're describing was in the episode I gave up on, where it was just like early in its run, There's one episode that is overloaded with so much insane shit <laughs> that it was like, I cannot do this anymore. I'd rather be doing homework. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They go end up, like, going on a road trip later in the season. That's kind of where I fell off.
0: Well, there's the episode where they get arrested in the small town and John Goodman's Pahrump. the judge. Yeah. yeah. That's a
1: three-part episode.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm not joking. Right, so I think that's threaded in the <laughs> same episode. It's all happening at the same time.
1: Yes. Yes, yes. No, it's all oh, going on at the Rob same time. Rob
0: Reiner's hosting Stings the Musical
4: <laughs> Guest. Christine Lottie <Lough> is embedded. <laughs> And the oh. show, show got canceled. <laughs> no, the idea is this is like the biggest comedy show in America. But
2: in real life, <laughs> it in did real get life, canceled. Yes, but they gave it a full season. They then. did give it a
0: full it season. It did 22 episodes, more than most streaming shows do in the entirety of their lifespan. And
2: it also aired the, it, the same season as the first season of 30 Rock. They, right. they right. Start, So it was and two shows about die. F- fake SNLs simultaneously right. on television. And
0: Studio 60 premiered a month earlier. And everyone felt bad for Tina Fey. Like, you're going to be the also-ran. Right, you'll get swamped by this ship. But in Studio
1: 60, Matthew Perry's like, be quiet! I have to make comedy that will change America! Yeah. And in 30 Rock, it's like, yeah, the show is just, like, farting. Like, <laughs> right. No one thinks this is good.
0: Yeah. Like, we, needs, we need an opening to address the controversy of our former, basically the Lauren Michaels mm-hmm. of the universe, who's played by Judd Hirsch, having a meltdown on camera, right? During the live broadcast? <gasps> Another...
2: Okay network they do the yes. ne- they do network and then he does it again in newsroom immediately yes
0: right right and they're like we need the perfect cold open to address this and then matthew perry goes like we'll be the perfect model of a modern network tv show gilbert and sullivan
1: right who is who are the best satirists ever gilbert and sullivan
2: like they called them the original frat humor
1: there you go <laughs> I just remember that. The Comedia that. dell'arte that's sketch. That's at the they end of episode talk two. They about the Comedia dell'arte sketch. Right.
0: Yes, that's the end of episode two.
1: And I remember I was a TV blogger. I was in college. Yeah. We were all hyped for Studio 60. It was yeah. Aaron Sorkin's big follow-up to the West Wing. Mm-hmm. The pilot script had gone around. The pilot yeah. script is identical pretty much to what aired. Yeah, We'd all read that, and we were like, eh, it's pretty good, I don't mm-hmm. know. And I remember Emily St. James, longtime friend of the, the show, great. DMing me probably on fucking MSN Messenger or whatever we used yep. back then, being like, The second episode ends in this way with a Gilbert and Sullivan. Give me a little pause. I'm a little worried Aaron Sorkin maybe doesn't get what SNL is. First episode in
0: the moment, basically everyone said slam dunk. This is
1: fine. This is good. But you only had to see sketches
0: from when the show was bad. And then right. episode two where it's like, and now they brought in the best guys to ever do it. And, and you're like, Gilbert the, show <laughs> the show seems worse now.
2: The show seems
1: kind of up its own ass. Why do would we that ever
2: be? see Crazy Christians?
1: We only see like a minute of Crazy Christians. Okay. That's yeah. one of their most controversial sketches.
2: It's called It's called Crazy Christians.
4: They dare. Let me guess. It's about religious people, but, but now they're, they're
2: crazy. Yeah.
4: I know we can't actually
1: say but this the, on the podcast. But
2: the
0: breakout sort of like the the Kristen Wiig the Kate McKinnon of the show at that moment is also devoutly religious. She loves God. This show She
4: was put a that in your pipe okay, and smoker. Listen, in. I'm actually getting fucking mad
1: <laughs> hearing it about canceled. this. Got canceled. No, oh, I know. The axe of popularity swung and beheaded it.
0: This is Patio 60 on the Sunset Cast of course. <laughs> this is the beginning. <laughs> We know we had told you other things were going to be planned for the rest of the year. No, this is Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. So fast. Sliding in right before the door closes on your fingers. Yeah,
1: sledgehammering right right there
0: Yeah. At the end. Uh, feathers flying everywhere. Uh, it's a podcast about filmographies, directors who have massive success early on in their careers and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear and sometimes they bounce, baby. This is a mini series on the films of David Fincher. is called the Curious Pod of Benjamin Buttcast.
1: That's right.
0: And I'm going to hit butt really hard. Buttcast.
1: Buttcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first episode we're recording, but that is yes. the name of the, of the series. Because
0: our guest, who we threw a flyer out to, happened to suddenly be in town, and so we've jumped ahead a little bit in order to record with her, uh, which we're very excited about. Returning to the show, the great Eva Anderson.
2: Hey guys.
0: The best, uh, What's best guest in up? podcasting, as we have said, uh, that's right.
2: You flatter me, and not true, but I'll take it. Is it is true. It is true. Um, th- I'm very excited. Uh, obviously, I met you in person, Griffin, last year. When we went, we to Castle, went
0: to the Magic Castle. The Magic Castle. An incredible night. Thank you very much.
2: But I've for never the met David or Ben mm. in person. Yes. So I'm so psyched.
1: I have no. As We were just reminiscing. I've really known you for like ten years. We have online, been online friends online for ten years, not IRL. I guess it was Bang Bang. It was You're the Worst. I feel like it was You're the Worst, though. I interviewed Stephen. Stephen like, Falk. Yes.
2: Showrunner of You're the Worst. Yes.
1: Um, way back when, and I yeah. remember. I don't know. You guys were like a little ragtag team over there. hmm I don't know.
2: We were. That was a fun... We also... We watched Studio 60 uh, during our lunch break sometimes. Amazing. On the In the writer's room. For inspiration? Just to... Yeah, as bonding experience. Simon
1: Stiles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Alex Dwyer. Great. So we, George Lucas Talk Show,
0: Deep Pandemic, we used to do these marathon fundraisers where we pick like a a canceled show and try to watch all of it in real time, Mm. do a very long live stream and get people who worked on it. And Patrick Kotner's greatest passion project was to do Studio 60. Mm -hmm. And he booked 60 guests, I believe. Wow. Over the course of whatever, like 22 hours, whatever, 20 hours, because it was the, the whole fucking season. But we had Nate Torrance on, who was also one of the cast members in the fake Studio
1: 60. Of course, he played. I'm going to look that up for you right now. A character. He was kind of the, I don't know, Horatio Sands of the show. Uh, yeah, a little more Dylan Killington. Yeah, but was he sweetie the Rob pie. Riggle? Oh, he's a sweetie pie. He was a
0: sweetie pie. He was like Farley minus the partying, mm. minus what? the vices, maybe.
2: What's Matthew Perry's character's name? Of course.
0: Uh,
1: as we all know, his Matt, name is Matt Albee. Matt Albee, Yeah.
2: And he, there's a very, there's always been a very funny uh, Matt still, Albee Twitter. I mean, yes. It it's is still, still
1: maybe the best account on Twitter. I agree. Because it is just always like, you know, fucking um, Studio 60 would like to welcome Chris Licht or whatever. You know, <laughs> right. like the minute something happens to someone, he's. Just, yes.
2: I think I know who does that. Do you guys know who does that? I, I do, but I've yeah. forgotten who it is. I think it's Seth Reese. Yes, yes
1: Seth, Seth Reese, yeah. right? At least he used
2: Yes. At least, yeah, he did at one point.
0: Yes. Uh, but Nate Torrance, we had him on, and we were talking about this thing of like th- the people who were on the fake cast of that show, minus D.L. Hughley and. Sarah Paulson, arguably, were all people who you, like, could have believed were in an SNL bubble where you're like, Helper could have ended up on SNL mm-hmm. if the chips fell a different Corddry,
2: way. perhaps.
0: Yeah. So Patrick was asking all of them this, and Nate Torrance was like, I literally, I tested for both.
2: Whoa. And it was
0: that thing of, like, is the better career move to go on SNL or go on Studio 60?
2: That's crazy.
3: Is the
0: better career move to do the real thing or the fake thing that is the follow-up from like the master writer of television isn't that a wild thing to think about being put in that position
2: to be auditioning for the thing and the parody of the thing yeah simultaneously
0: i don't remember if he got to make the choice or the choice was made for him but it was like he he was very close to both at the same time
2: that's crazy
0: yeah this is not about Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Today we're talking about Panic Room, a movie that has nothing to do with Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. Is, is there, there any, any... Is there
2: any connection? Any...
0: There has to be As, something. I feel
2: like Anne Magnusson might have uh, made an appearance with Studio you know 60 or something like, like that. i like to
0: imagine in the universe of Studio 60, Anne Magnuson was like the Catherine O'Hara, where she was like <laughs> technically a cast member because of a writer's strike. She never did an episode or she quit yeah. before
1: the episode actually aired or something.
0: What, she, what she, David? To
1: Gavin Pallone? No. No. Well, he produced Gilmore Girls. I don't know. He did TV. Dwight Yoakam's definitely been a musical guest on Studio 60. In, yes. within, in the world. In the universe. As Raul.
0: And he might have <laughs> actually... Dwight Yoakum as Raul. Will <laughs> be the the bus driver? <laughs> he might have been a guest slash host. In the Studio 60 universe, maybe Dwight Yoakam is the one who has a Chris Gaines
1: and does. And oh, he does. did like a, right, He did Raul is on set and then yes. oh, Guys, I
2: think they did a crazy twist where they had Yoakam host and they had Billy Bob... Be the musical guest that week, That's,
1: but <laughs> as his Sling Blade character, yes. <laughs> like, and he actually was playing Sting's Lute. <laughs> like it was still there. Yeah. yeah. And then and then happened. he ripped up
0: a, a picture of uh Louis Farrakhan live on TV. I don't know how you know, do I thread this.
1: And I, Ben's gonna make fun of me. Yeah. And then we should talk about Panic Room. Yeah. A think we're here to talk when about. When I was a kid, mm-hmm. Sting obviously was still famous, but he was fully in his, like, lute playing phase, mm-hmm. right? Not,
0: not only that, but He'd I become,
1: think, like, full cornball.
0: I feel like th- th- whatever the interview was where he mentioned that he practices tantric sex right. became the whole
1: thing. It was like he just has sex with his wife. Right. He plays his, like, lute and world right. music shit. Like, he he'd wears, like, full cornball. Like, incredibly thin linen shirts. And I was, like, as a kid, I was like, why do I have to even... His name was Sting. Yeah. Why do I have to pay attention to this guy? Right, you know, everyone around me mocks him for being pretentious. And now you listen. Well, now I listen
4: to the police and I'm like, yeah, they were. They had something going on. Oh, but yeah.
3: was it the... Was, okay, was okay. It okay not right. the I knew po-
4: Ben would get mad. No, no. I was worried that you were going to say... I listen to solo Sting records, no. exactly. and I actually—I no. don't know them. that we I, I, I know that I've ever really
1: put on a solo Sting. You know what?
2: It was like Stuart way. Townsend is the police. Really? Is that? But like, Sting was in the police. He's in it, but like he's not he the, the mastermind creative. of. So maybe the that's why he was the
0: Diana Ross of the police.
2: Right. So yes. then he steps aside, and then he's of course his music's goofy.
4: 'Cause like those police albums are by and large yeah, fucking they got great. Some, they got some hits and they're all really great musicians.
2: Yeah. yeah. And so they're all blonde.
1: Yeah. They were yeah. hot. Look, they're they're hot as hell. And he's from Newcastle, where I went to college. Sting. Okay. So he's kind of a local boy. You know, Newcastle is still kind of like, you know, we got Sting. He's mm-hmm. he's ours. But uh, I don't know. I just it took me a while to realize why anyone would care about it. he's handsome. Fun fact that.
4: about Sting, he practices tantric
3: sex. <laughs>
1: Wait, what? what? What does that mean? Nine hours
0: binge session. No quibbies for this guy. <laughs> no, no quick
3: bites. Oh man.
1: Oh boy. Um, what? Right. I just what? look at Matt Albee's Twitter feed is still up. It's like Elizabeth Holmes reports to prison. He's, he's like, when she gets out, her job on the writing staff will be
2: waiting for
3: her.
2: Oh man. Oh, Matt boy. Albee. Matt Albee. He's still,
1: ev- you know, every week he just tweets, we're dark this week, you know, during, <laughs> since the strike began.
2: Solidarity. You've uh-huh. never been in a
0: room with him, right? Have you, Matt Albee? Did, have you ever been on the same staff as him?
2: No, I was on a staff with Seth Reese, though. That's why I was, Oh, like, yeah. while okay. he was doing yeah. Matt Albee.
4: Yeah. Uh, we should mention, too, mm-hmm. about the room we're in. Oh, Sure. We kind of discovered recently. We're, you know, obviously we've been recording out of our new studio. Yeah, look,
0: we had a very hard time finding a space in New York City that yeah. met our needs, and uh, you know, you want a place that has a certain amount of uh, soundproofing. And-
4: new York real estate, don't get me started. Don't get
0: you started. But we found we found this room that fit our needs uh, perfectly. Yeah, a long search that we've been very happy with it. Windowless. Yes. True. Yeah, Uh, it
1: is kind of a fortress.
0: Right. And we were like, Mm -hmm. why would this room even exist in this building? Why would you build one like this? And we found out this was, in fact, intended to be a a panic room.
2: You guys uh, closed on this place really fast, right? Because last week it was like a different address I was coming to and all of a sudden you're here.
0: And you don't have to pay the price on the tag.
2: (laughs) It's not Barney's?
0: It's not Barney's. You don't have to pay the price on the tag. It's not Barney's mom. She
1: says that with such confidence. And I'm like, what do you know about real scoot, estate?
2: Scoot by and say that? It's like a scoot by She's line. scooting.
1: Yeah, she's actually heavy on the scooting in that. Open. It's really good. Yeah. Just business, you know? Good business. Razoring for... out of control. And also, that was the time. was when the kids all had scooters all of a
4: sudden. Razor. It was like, who gave them these things?
0: <laughs> My favorite thing about the Razor scooter was it was just like this kind of ingenious product, right? Where, I like, I just remember the first time you saw a kid... Scoot by on the street with money. You're just like,
1: what the fuck right. is that? How are they going that fast? Right. And then
0: the moment you see them fold it and you're like, fuck it, just like that. Incredible. Everyone buys one, right? And then, as often seems to be the case, the Razor Company is like, fuck, we made a product that people only need to buy one time. And we right. basically sold it to everyone. It's kind of
1: indestructible.
2: Yeah, right. right. Instant pot.
0: And then they yeah, the exact Instant Pot. They're thing. dead, right? They're like fully they're dead. Bankrupt. They
2: they're, sold
1: all the Instant Pots right. and now they're like, shit.
3: They also want, got venture capitalists. Right, right. But, right.
1: but it's a problem. Like, they make you expand, venture capitalist.
0: But also they right. were like, our product is so good that no one ever needs to buy a second one. So let's now branch into different products. And all the other products failed. What else did they make? They were like, oh, now we're making like a, a fucking tempura maker or whatever. I don't know. They just added all these different. The razor like,
2: tempura maker.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Razor was just like, how do we fucking iterate? And they were like, uh, lights in the handlebars. You're like, like a light on the front. They're like, no, the lights are on the side. Right, right. <laughs> Great. Uh, lights in the wheels.
3: Yeah, like cool. They just
0: kept on adding more shit. But they knew the part of it was like the design was so simple that you couldn't. Shocks. They
1: added shocks. Um, I do remember shocks. Ben, did you have a Razor scooter or a, <laughs> or something no. like it? No, I wasn't a friggin. Dork. I guess you were also too old. It's that was really for like a ten year old.
3: Yeah, when it yeah. came out, yeah. we were
1: already teenagers. No, I
4: remember seeing that. I remember seeing kids even trying to do tricks on it, and me and my friends would just fucking dunk on That's them. That's what the shocks were for. Like you know, where they try to like do a little three sixty and like jump and land on it or whatever. Yeah. Not cool. Yeah, the least cool extreme sport of all time. It's like razor scooter, rollerblading. Then BMX, skateboard, of Just, course, obviously. is
0: Little op? Manhattan, Griffey Nooms. Just having a peaceful
4: little scoot. You had a scooter?
1: Are you kidding me? Yeah. I, live, I live in fear of my daughter getting her first scooter. It's coming. We're getting close. She'll be scooting. Razor? No. But, you know, one of those little kid scooters. Sure. Um, okay. Uh, panic room. Mm. What are we guys talking about? Sorry.
0: We were talking about her scooting around while she says the Barneys line. Kristen
1: Stewart is... Scooting. Scoot by. She's Iconic in this film.
2: She's so good.
1: She's so good. You have the 2020 hindsight bias of like, I know course, she turns into a movie star and a good yeah, actor. Yes. But I remember liking her at the time. Absolutely. And thinking like, oh, she's, you know, she's a cut above a kid actor. And this was in the era of really annoying kid actors, too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it's another way in which you're like, uh there this movie now, 20 plus years on has this weird power of, like, watching young child star Kristen Stewart and being like, she's one of the few who has gotten to have a Jodie Foster-type career. Right. Jodie Foster, always one of the few that people cite as, like, perfect transition. hmm Right?
2: Yeah, yeah, and weirdly, her transition was Twilight, right? Where she went from, like, teen to adult. Like, over those movies?
0: Yeah, and then she comes out the other side of it and is like, I'm using my clout to, like, get interesting movies made and work with with interesting auteurs, and yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love her. She's one of my absolute favorites now.
0: No, I remember, unsurprisingly, this was, like, 12-year-old Griffin Newman seeing this movie, massive crush on her. Oh,
2: for sure. Uh, Yes.
0: Yeah, she's cool as hell. Yes. Uh, And then in the time between that and when Twilight comes out... And people would be like, yo, like, who's your big movie star crush? I'd be like, Kristen and Stewart. And they'd be like, who? And I'd be like, the girl
1: from Panic Room.
3: Uh-huh.
1: So is that why you were a big Zathura fan? Correct. Because she's in Zathura. In the Land of Women? Yeah, you were a huge In the Land of Women fan? I wouldn't say huge, but I owned it. I saw that movie because Adam Brody was in it. And I, saw I was like enough of an OC yes. super fan that I was yeah. like, to see anything that he's in. Yeah,
0: Into the Wild, that was a performance that kind of drove me insane.
1: Uh, she's she's good in that movie.
0: I mean, insane in the fact that... Uh, you had a crush on her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, Kristen Stewart, love her. Um, She is in Panic Room. This is the film Panic Room. Mm-hmm. It is the fifth film in David Fincher's career. It's his follow-up to Fight Club. Yes. And I feel like it's a very conscious response to Fight Club. Yes, which people forget was a flop. Was a moderate flop. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I'm scaling all my ambition back, but also some, you know, I am scaling it up in that I'm constraining myself. Yes. But I'm making a very simple thriller.
2: It's true. Like, I was... um, I just watched Fight Club again for Doughboys. You
1: did Fight Club on the Doughboys. That's right. And
2: it's interesting because of, like, one of the uh, maybe problems... I don't know what you guys said about Fight Club, but maybe one argument one could be... It was like, Fight Club's about too much stuff. Yeah. It's about everything.
1: It's right. It's like, let's encompass the feelings of an entire generation. And also... American society and like, masculinity, where it's all pointing, it's, right? It's Gen X's howl.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and then panic room is kind of not about anything.
1: Panic it's room is like, wouldn't it, Wouldn't it suck if this happened? Right. <laughs>
2: what if there was a panic room? I, I was thinking about that because you say that all the time. It's like this movie is truly, like, what if there was a panic room? It
1: is. Yeah, it is very much what if there's a panic room, which I think is literally what David kept. He was just kind of like, I've, I've been hearing a lot about panic. Rooms. I read a trend piece about this. right went into the offices of Sony,
0: and they handed him two million
1: dollars. Uh, Four? four four million dollars for yes. the script but um which makes sense because it's like what if there's a panic room okay i know what a panic room is what if someone tried to rob you well i'd go in my panic room yeah but what if the, the thing they in want there. it's in the panic room yeah. and they're like oh now we're cooking with gas he's like
4: we are cooking with gas gas is in the script yeah there's
1: a gas sequence
0: also my gas costs four million dollars <laughs> if you want a liter
2: I remember the the trailer when he holds up the, the thing we want is in the room being yeah. absolutely just killer. Yes.
0: I, this is as as a, a big movie nerd kid that would just like obsessively read every fucking dork website I could and thought I was ahead of the curve and knew every movie that was in the pipeline. And, and by this age, when this movie comes out, I guess I'm 13, uh would sit in the theater and the trailer would come up and in the first five seconds I'd turn to my friend and be like, oh, this is that movie. You know? Like, even if I was seeing a trailer for the first time, I've read about this. It's this actor in this thing. I remember this movie somehow completely passing by me. Oh, really? The trailer coming up, going like, what is this? Mm. And then when that sign goes up, I was just like, fucking money in the bank. Yeah. Perfect premise, perfect setup. This is Fincher and Foster. I'm in. Hardcore. Did you see it, though? Because it must have been rated R. Isn't it PG-13? They say fuck a lot. It's rated oh, right. R. No, I saw... I distinctly remember seeing this with my mom. Right. right. Well, if your mommy took you.
1: Because you would have been 13 years I old. I was 13. Right, I was yeah. 16. Did yeah. you
2: see it in I the did. theater?
1: Absolutely. I was a big 16-year-old film Empire Magazine reading film nerd. I loved David Fincher. Yeah. And I loved whatever. You and know, I was like, a, a little
0: petite... Manhattanite, razor-scootering, <laughs> entertainment weekly reading film nerd <laughs> whose mommy accompanied him.
1: I did not see this with my mommy. I'm pretty sure I saw it with Ollie a Stevens. A Shout Ollie
0: Stevens, okay. my best friend. Not the and, part, part, m- not
1: being with your mom. Part. And it was rated it was 15 break. in England, so I wow. just waltzed right in. Okay. I was 16 whole years old. Uh, Eva, did you see this in theaters?
2: No, I was, a, I was a senior in film school. Okay. And I was distracted. Mm. I think I was just busy just fucking around
0: were you a fincher fan at that point
2: i did see fight club Mm -hmm. in school and i i mentioned this uh on doughboys but that night my friend josh started a fight club right and uh unrelated though he was like not because of the movie started punching people um uh just outside in the quad
0: so that like immediately made you like the movie less i'm sure
2: (laughs) i liked. i feel like i liked fincher though um, I liked... Yeah, adventure was hot stuff. Yeah, he was fun. Um, yeah, I don't know why I didn't see Panic Room. I, I literally, I think I was just broke and yeah. not going to the multiplex.
0: I mean, more... So, so it's an April release, comes out on final season. Okay. I'm
2: graduating yeah, college. Yeah, you, yes, what
0: was you're, your you're film working school. on your
1: thesis.
2: I went to USC. Heard of it. I was classmates with John Chu. He was my year. Oh, wow. Yeah. John M. Show.
1: And John he was M. like, Chu. I've always wanted to make a movie in which G.I. Joe got retribution. And you were like, <laughs> you should do that. Yeah. <laughs> he
2: have you told say that? <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> What's your dream, John? Great. A good filmmaker. I like John M. I like him he too. He's great. Great guy. Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah. So I didn't see it. So this was my first time seeing it.
0: What w- What was your... Did you have to do a thesis film?
2: Um, I, I produced... The USC splits you up. So okay. four people direct... And you have to compete for that role, and then everybody else works on their movies. Okay. Um, John Chu works with a lot of the same people that worked on his thesis film. That's,
1: That's cool. nice. Yeah. He never forgot where he came That's, from. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but did you work on his?
2: No, I no. worked on um, I worked on a an OK movie. Um, <laughs> that was very fun, and all my friends worked on, and we had to build a moon set, which That's that was cool. That was super Ooh. fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we had to build a moon set.
1: Uh, Moonset's cool. Yeah. Panic Room objectively was seen by more people mm-hmm. in theaters. Yeah. But certainly does feel like a film less people recall. Yes. And less people have seen than, say, Fight Club, which, it, 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 you know, did better than. I do unquote. think
0: it is the same, a type of movie we've covered before on the podcast where someone who sort of was like a blank check filmmaker and then did not immediately figure out how to follow up on the promise and the excitement around them. Is sort of like I just need to get safe again, right? Mm -hmm. Like I need a movie that pushes me back into the safe zone because I think deliver entertainment,
1: yes, successfully.
0: Yeah, and I think the other the other part of it was like, uh, much like a lot of these guys, very quickly it's like Fincher's very demanding. He takes a very long time. It costs a lot of money. You know. Where it's like, I need to produce a film that mm-hmm. is like under control, mm-hmm. that is under control, that is straight down the middle, that is easy to pitch, that is not going to push people away. Yes. Um,
2: Didn't he plan every single shot?
0: He did. This he later is, said
1: that was a mistake.
0: Yes. He shouldn't have done that. But yes. this movie I did, I bought, there is a notorious three disc special edition of this film that's sort of peak DVD special features Ooh. where there are two discs of nothing but special features and one disc is just pre-production and one disc is post-production sure, one disc cool. is pre and, and pro and one disc is post that's cool and it's got like hours of shit on both it's like basically the film school like comprehensive you see every step of it but that disc 2 mm-hmm. is so much about that he basically created the pipeline for how all fucking blockbusters are made right, on like this just movie just previs everything just previs literally Everything.
3: Oh.
1: Um, especially, he had the advantage of we know we're in this confined environment. We yep. can map it out mm-hmm. every inch of it. So yep. the camera can do things uh, through visual effects as well. It can pass yep. through walls and stuff, but we pass can just pass through can,
2: coffee can, machines. Yes. Yep.
1: Um, and it would be cool if the lens then had coffee on it after it did that, but they didn't decide to do that. Uh, well, they go through the handle. Yeah. yeah, but it wouldn't be cool if they gone through the coffee and then, then coffee's like, dripping down.
0: And it. then there's a little wiper The glass there, would shutter like, oh That's, my my that's a that's a Mel Brooks bit. You're pitching. <laughs> You're I think,
2: pitching. I think that would have been panic good. panic
0: attack room, or whatever <laughs> Dead Mel Brooks has movie.
2: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, fuck. Mel Brooks should have done that. Should have done panic attack room. Yeah, and yeah. then had bits where the camera like goes into swings around and then like hits someone and they're like, "Ow!"
0: Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, it should have been him.
1: Yeah, him. He in the joint foster it. role. No, he should play both.
0: He should play both because <laughs> he could do it. Mask. Yeah. Right. right. And then, like Peter McNichol's his son is like the. the yeah. Kristen Stewart type. Yeah. I love it. Um,
1: Peter McNichol. Of course. Okay.
0: Wait, what was I saying here? Uh, I don't the, pre- know. The, oh, previous the previous thing. thing yeah. Oh, I think the main storyboard artist on this film was Peter Ramsey, who then goes on to direct *Rise of the Guardians* in the first *Spider-Verse*.
2: Oh wow. And okay. so I was just
0: watching 45 minutes of him talking over a sort of split screen. Do you remember when the big thing they thought was the future of DVDs was the angle button? Oh, and
3: yeah.
1: they
0: were like, you can push the angle button and move between I, I different... remember that,
1: and what a nightmare.
0: Yes. And now, like, my modern remote does not even have a way to access it. And the <laughs>
1: screen basically broke
0: and was just like, we're showing you everything at the same time. <laughs> you cannot toggle between these things. Um, but it was like the 40 minutes of footage that was the dailies from the movie in one screen and the previs in the other.
2: Oh, cool. With
0: Peter Ramsey talking through it. Right. And it's like, there were things we would find, uh, I mean, we're going out of order here. Uh, I'll save this tidbit. There were things we'd find that we couldn't execute as planned. But basically, every day, everyone had already prepped everything based on the footage. Right. Where he was just like, do exactly this and we would just try to do that. Right. And that was his whole thought was I can just make this whole movie in advance and then everyone just knows what to do.
1: Yeah. Um and it basically worked but it also kind of broke his brain and I you know he he doesn't make a movie for 5 years after this. Yeah. And in this early phase of his career that's the longest break he takes right like after gone girl obviously he would take six years to make make that's like the
0: you know what i mean like yeah this is three years this is after fight club right it's yeah. like
1: alien three and then three years later seven and then two years later the game and then two years later fight club three years later yeah. panic or, you know he made movies in a pretty impressive clip yeah then he takes a long break between this and Zodiac. now i think zodiac was also an involved film and there's also I, we they will, had to make san francisco into computer basically. on our
0: zodiac episode we'll talk about in between the two there are a lot of Almost projects, Mission Impossible 3 being the biggest one that um, he was supposed to do for a while. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and would have made a ton of sense doing that. Yeah. Well. Um, but I, I think this movie was tough for him to make. Oh, yeah. 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 And, well, and also, right, uh, the, the Jodie Foster, all the circumstances, the production of this movie was kind of insane.
1: Yeah. It, it, it's the fucking rabbit's foot thing. Yeah. Oh, I'll I'll not make something like Fight Club I'll make a a tight Hitchcockian thriller set in one location And then like the monkey's paw is like Nicole Kidman will break her fucking knee And like Jodie Foster will get pregnant You know, like all this stuff's gonna happen It's actually the opposite of a rabbit's foot Yeah, whatever, I forgot what the (laughs) animal's hand was Rabbit's toe curls Yeah, and
0: then you (laughs) win a million dollars That's what a rabbit's foot does
1: Why
0: (laughs) is a rabbit's foot lucky? I feel like if anyone would know the answer to this, it would be
4: you, Eva.
2: I don't know. Fuck. I thought you were going to say it would be a rabbit. But
4: it they... would be. A, a rabbit would oh. know. It are oh expect- spiteful. Did, did you hear me. the dogs outside in the hallway? I actually did. Yeah. That was real. We protect ourselves. Jeez. All right. Well, thankfully, we're safe. <laughs> Let me re- open up the dossier. So.
0: You don't want to, like, push a button. You don't want to, like, commit to this in a way where we, like, push a button and a door closes or something.
4: Yeah. Okay, do you want to do that?
0: I mean, I think we should. I'm, I'm pretty scared by that one isolated dog bark.
1: Looking at that bit clock. Great. David, open the dossier. So, one thing that we're going to do on almost every one of these David Fincher episodes okay. is we're going to talk about the many projects he attached himself to yes. after his last big movie. Uh-huh. Uh So, after Fight Club, um, David Fincher was initially going to make a movie called The Night Watchman. Cool. Cool. Yeah. We love it. It's nighttime. Mm-hmm. Mysterious. Yeah. Tick, tick. Watchman Looks for things. Yeah. What is a movie if not seeing things? Mm-hmm. This thing writes itself. Sure. It was written by James Elroy. It was an original script written by James Elroy. That's kind of cool. Um, It was a murder mystery set in a post-OJ Simpson L.A. with elements of Unforgiven and the verdict with strong rules for a cop investigating the murder and the murderer.
2: What does post-OJ Simpson L.A. mean? I don't does know. Does it mean he's dead?
1: <laughs> yeah, finally, we've gotten rid of him.
3: The
0: movie begins with him being buried. His reign of terror They're is using over.
2: OJ Simpson like a natural disaster. I, like, yeah.
1: <laughs> in in the wake point. of 9-11
2: In the wake of OJ Simpson. Yeah.
1: I assume it's just kind of yeah. It's like he's who knows? killed
2: everyone in LA. Yeah. Himself.
1: Uh, this I imagine is one of those scripts <laughs> that you can probably like find. Right. Okay, like, you know, sure. Right. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. Those like hot scripts that never got made, they're they're mm-hmm. floating around. Uh so I uh, I think Keanu Reeves was initially supposed to be the star of this. Fincher sort of post- and Keanu have circled flirted.
0: each other a lot on several different things and have never actually pulled off, which would be interesting to see happen
2: now. It means sorry guys. What that means is a character would like to be racist, but can't.
1: Right. Right.
2: That's that's what post OJ Simpson LA <laughs> <All I> means. <laughs> Oh, you can't say anything anymore. You can't say anything anything anymore. I'm sure James Elroy had had that conversation in his circles. Elements
1: of Unforgiven in the verdict does suggest that, yes, this Night Watchman might have a few things to say that are a little un-PC, right? Perhaps that's why it doesn't get (laughs) Yes. Anyway, uh, that doesn't happen. Okay. And then Fincher starts circling the Black Dahlia. Right. uh, Based on a James Elroy novel, Elroy novel. Uh Uh-huh. Um... Uh, which, if you've never read, is quite a tome of a book. It's a wonderful book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first of his L.A. Quartet. I was a big Elroy kid when I was a teen. Uh, right? lo- loved a gr- reading about it.
2: It's a great book. It's
1: an amazing book. But Fincher, as I think often happens with him, is like, well, this is too much. I want to do it all. It has to be a television series. It has mm-hmm. to be a mini series, Five episodes. Mm-hmm. And back then you know, now you say that to a studio and they're like, yes, make it 10 episodes. Uh, Please, long, long. Back then, studios balked at that kind of idea and Brian De Palma takes over.
0: Was it him or there was some other interview I was watching or listening to with the director where they were talking about a dream project of theirs that they wanted to do as a miniseries maybe 10 years ago only. And whoever they pitched it to was like, my good sir, the miniseries is dead. It is never coming back it is a completely defunct medium. You are either doing an open ended TV show or one movie. Right. That's right. so Pick. crazy. Yeah. Right. And just everything by choice or not ends up being a limited series these days. Right.
1: Um, Whether by design or just. Yeah, by now that would be the move. Right. Yeah. And God knows there probably will be, you know, a fucking Black Dahlia miniseries soon almost definitely. on, you know, MGM. Plus. Yeah. Um, on the same day, the Fight Club premiered. At the Venice Film Festival, Mm -hmm. Fincher was also linked to the film The Mexican. Sure. Uh, Brad Pitt's upcoming project. Um, Brad was already attached? uh, Correct. His favorite guy. Uh, Kevin Reynolds had been attached. Fincher Mm -hmm. then gets attached. Gore Verbinski ends up making that movie. Yeah. Um, A movie I like. Then the number one project Fincher is attached to, Griffin. We've talked about it before. Spider-Man. Yes. What if there was a man with the powers of a spider? Right. Um... He's Sony's guy. And we talked about this a lot on that episode, uh-huh. I think. Right. You yeah. know, like he's he's their first choice, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They wanted him to do it, and it I mean, it was a series of things. Uh well, we've talked, I mean, for, for, he's like, I didn't want to do an origin story. I wanted to start with Gwen Stacy and the Green Goblin and kill Gwen Stacy immediately. Insane. <laughs> <And> <laughs> uh, I wanted to do a 10-minute title sequence that looked like a music video uh slash opera. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he had all kinds of ideas. They eventually, it doesn't work out. Yeah. Uh, he also wanted to do something called Passengers, which I think eventually was made into a movie. But so, not, was not yeah. Passengers the movie.
2: That's not the Chris Pratt movie. No. No, but it's one with like, it's sort
1: of an invasion of the body snatchers where they like, aliens invade your brain. Maybe that never did get made. Okay. I don't know. Uh, and then um, he was also linked to Catch Me If You Can, which Spielberg makes. Right. Uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, uh-huh. which George Clooney eventually makes. He uh, yeah. Fincher was going to make it with Mike Myers.
0: Yes, right, right. Kinda I remember cool. that being
1: announced. Yeah. And a submarine drama written by David Ayer called Squids, which is another of those like never got made movies. Yes. Uh, David Ayer loved to write movies about you know soldiers. Right. Um, and something called Pathfinder, a John
0: Patrick Shanley script. That's not the thing that ends up being made with Michael Fassbender,
1: is it? No, I don't think so. That was a movie, right? There was like some... I don't know. It does sound like a movie. No, because, yeah, that's like a sort of a vintage epic, a period. Right, right. This is not vintage.
2: Do you guys know who's a really weird Twitter follow? Please. Who? John Patrick Shanley. Oh, Get yeah, what's he up to? on it. Posting weird selfies. I have such doubts. Just <laughs> kind of vaguely horny stuff. He is one
0: of those guys where I am never ready for what his voice sounds like.
1: Oh! Oh, I, really? Is he it's, like
3: it's kind Hello. of raspy
1: and?
2: I Did you see the the pandemic movie?
1: Griffin saw that like after
0: having surgery. You Wild saw, Mountain you, Time,
2: you saw Wild Mountain Time. Yeah.
0: Yes, I was recovering from uh, uh, having organs taken out, and I watched it like hopped up on goofballs. Did you
2: think you dreamed the ending?
0: I I texted David in real time, and I went, I don't know what people are talking about. This movie makes perfect sense. He thinks he's a bee?: Yep, uh-huh. That's the <laughs> twist of that movie is that he identifies as a bee.
2: Did you know that, David?
0: Yeah,
1: I I did know that.
0: I was texting to David in real time time and sending him videos. And I was like, this is good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you were like, good, normal. It's kind of where I expected it to go. I was like, maybe it's the drugs, maybe it's not. I'm (laughs) just having a perfect
0: experience.
1: Certainly, it had its fans. It did? Yeah, like it had its sort of like people like, no, 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 no. It's going to go crazy.
0: I
2: believe I am a B.
0: My takeaway from it, and this is what I was texting David as I was watching it, is that like, I could see that killing on stage. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you watch the way it works as a movie and you can feel the actors basically holding for laughs. Uh Uh-huh. But in an ecosystem where there is not that energy of the laughs coming and there are just dead silences (laughs) in between, in what's shot like a drama, it is incredibly off-putting.
2: But then you Kaiser Sose back through the movie and he's been acting like a bee the whole whole time. Yeah. That's the weird part. Is you're like, oh, he was a bee the whole time. But wait, but to,
4: how do you mean he was acting like a bee? Like he was going... Bzzz. There was a weird
2: honey thing. Yeah.
4: <laughs> but
0: isn't there also a thing where there's sort of like, there's like a, uh, a red herring where people talk about her as if she's like a cat or something?
2: She's a swan.
0: She's a swan. Yeah. Right.
2: But he is a bee.
0: Right. And she's like, everyone thinks I'm like a swan. He's like, yeah, no, I'm straight up a bee.
1: <laughs> um. Yes.
2: It's a weird movie, Ben.
1: Tennessee. It sounds like a weird... Also,
2: movie. Christopher Walken is Irish in it.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's fun.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And if you can't imagine an Irish accent on top of Christopher Walken's voice, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> it sounds like you not being able to imagine it in real time.
1: <laughs> it's like two audio tracks playing yes. in different ears. It's one speaker of each. <laughs> okay. Uh, the final thing, was uh, there's also a movie. This is another one of those never-made things. Mm-hmm. They Fight Alone. Uh, sure. Which is like an American soldier in the Philippines. It's like a true story thing where he like builds a guerrilla movement during World War II yeah. and fights. And that was going to be a Brad Pitt Fincher movie.
0: Yeah. Now, look, uh, unsurprisingly, a lot of these things, and and we'll talk about this in all these episodes, are like the hottest scripts that go around Hollywood. Right. The biggest stars and directors attach themselves to, and Fincher is just always a guy where there's so much excitement about him, even when his career is on a... On Everyone
1: a, work, wants to work with down.
0: Him. Right. He usually takes a moment and, you know, has a dance with any kind of really buzzy script, but it almost always comes down to him being like, they're not going to let me make this the way I want to.
1: Um, he, I don't, right. He, he's very right. pragmatic
0: about, like, I
3: can it just see work. this right. isn't
1: going to work. He, after Alien 3, he always had the spider sense.
2: Yeah. That's yes. my question. Like, why after Alien 3 would he even consider doing a franchise?
1: Yeah, I I do think, right. I, I mean, I guess he had enough juice that he thought, like, I'll and Sony loved him. Fine, I'll go in there and pitch. Like, all right. Right. Minute one, Gwen Stacy strangled to death or whatever. And they were like, no, thank you. Also,
0: to their credit, and you look at them ultimately hiring Raimi and really letting him go off. I do think they were like, we need to do like Tim Burton Batman. Franchises were
1: less precious.
0: This needs to have a very specific voice behind it. Because it was, I mean, Cameron, him, ultimately Raimi. Who is the other person I always forget? McGee. No, I don't know. I don't know. There was one other person who was yeah, similarly sure. kind of auteurist. Big names, yes, yeah. yeah. They no, wanted someone to actually have a take, um,
2: like a singer.
0: <sighs> what a genius!
2: But the man true, had takes. kind of right. No, but it was, it was yeah, X-Men. yeah, no, yes, no. When they
1: hired Brian Singer for X Men, it was like what are you that guy would never do a comic book movie like Usual yes. Suspects, one of the coolest movies in the nineties. Like right. fuck off, like, yeah. Um, but then you know, and then it was the beginning of the now insidious. Like no, you don't understand. Like the comic book is about. Real
4: issues,
2: a trauma, baby. Right? Yeah,
1: you know. And back then, I was like, "Finally, someone's saying this." And now, when <laughs> someone starts saying this, I'm like, "Can you just shut the fuck up?" Yeah. <laughs> David Kepp, mm-hmm. uh, UW Madison uh, alumnus, as our UW Madison alumnus researcher JJ loves to point out. Okay. Um, toured a four story brownstone in New York in 1999, and it had a panic room in it.
2: Oh, he actually saw one. It wasn't yes. just a, he read an article.
1: And then, of course, he's like, oh, I've heard of these things. Now, was and he's it, like, hmm, was that an idea for a movie? A brownstone or was it a townstone? Called Secret Window. Damn, just need to get that joke. Sorry. Uh, he just says, he says I've, brownstone. We stepped on each other's jokes. It's okay. I don't know. They're, I like the ta- They're both good. I like the townstone line in this one. I do too. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll talk about it. Sure. The whole opening sequence is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and, uh, in the first draft, he never wanted to leave the house at all. They do briefly sort of show you the outside of the home in this movie. You start on the block. Yes. Yes. Um, Right. But, you know, you'd never really leave this block. No. Right. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And uh, and then, you know, his next idea is like, who would buy such a place? And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, she should be recently divorced. She should be kind of on tilt, like, mm-hmm. you know, sort of making maybe somewhat unreasonable choices and sure. flush with money that's not really hers or, you know, yeah. like that, you know, she doesn't really care about. Right? right. Like she has this money, but she doesn't actually want to like. You know. Right.
0: I th- And from that inception, you're coming up with a character who on paper is kind of like a classic Hitchcock ingenue. Right. Right.
1: Uh yeah totally yeah
0: yeah, you could see it being a sort of Janet
1: Lee woman on edge. Yes, I'm doing a uh, Janet Lee in a movie. I don't know. Okay, she's <laughs> holding a bag. That's a weird uh,
0: impression. You're you're not gonna get on Studio 60 with that one. I would cut it from the real.
1: Yeah. Uh, Fincher apparently said I stayed in an apartment with a panic room once in London mm-hmm. in the early 90s, and I set the alarm off almost every week, and so I hated it. Okay. Um, but he loved the idea. Of right, rather than Fight Club, which had a hundred locations, a mm-hmm. million different setups or whatever. He's like, one location, what a great thing for me to do. Yeah. Um, and uh he was going through divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh you no, know, he was past his divorce at this point, but he'd gone through a very big divorce with uh Dania Fiorentino. Mm-hmm. And he said he wanted to make the movie about divorce, like the idea of like here I am in this empty fucking house sure. with like plaster falling on my head, right? And like just, like, that sort of, like, environment mood thing, like, post-divorce mindset. Yeah. And yeah. he, of course,
0: hires the most obvious choice at that moment, post-divorce Nicole Kid. That's true. I don't know why I said Nicole. Yeah. Nicole Kidman. She man. fucked up her Nicole She'd Kid taken
2: man. that awesome picture outside of the divorce court where she's all yes. feeling herself.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and then she walked straight
1: from that to a meeting with David Fincher. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, Nicole Kim, I mean, she's for real, uh, at this moment, right? Like, she's, she wins an Oscar this year, in fact. Yes. For the hours. Yes. But she's coming off of Moulin Rouge. The whole thing with her knee was that yeah. she had actually injured it making Moulin Rouge a not known. Right, and sort of danced through it, right. and it had never healed. Uh, and then she re-injures her knee, um making uh 19 days into this shoot she was running up and down the stairs
0: but you hear him talk about uh in in everything uh about the making of this film the development of this film that he like really built it around the idea of kidman as the classic sort of like somewhat cold inscrutable hitchcock woman yeah this very glamorous woman a woman who is in way over her head um in this kind of situation and originally it was announced as Nicole Kidman and Hayden Pantier. Yes. And then they switch over to Kristen Stewart, while it is still Nicole Kidman. Yes. But the whole conception was like her daughter is radically different. That was her. the idea. Mm. She
1: has this tomboy daughter. Right. Right. And she's this glamorous, you know, divorcee. Right. And then when they cast Jodie, it's like, okay, so you have this daughter who's kind of exactly your Perfect Jodie <laughs> right. Foster type.
2: It's you, but little. So... They also had to throw out 19 days of shoot. That's uh, y- crazy.
1: I, or at least probably most of it, right? I mean, I guess the stuff without Nicole maybe they could keep, but uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know? and
0: then they, they wouldn't let him shut down. So they, they start filming. They identify in doing some action sequence. She thinks she fucks up her leg. In fact, she re-injures. She has a fracture. In right. Her knee. Yes. And there's just no way around this. Uh, he wanted to shut the movie down to yes. rejigger it. They basically, I mean, the the numbers I saw, there was some sort of
1: calculation of like... If they had shut the movie down and just never started filming again, they would have made $3 million off the insurance. In profit. What if
2: they gave her a Jimmy Stewart wheelchair leg?
1: That would be bold. Incredible. It's like, not only is this... (laughs) <laughs> set in one house. Yes. But she can't even climb the stairs. I guess you would just keep going to that elevator. Yeah. Every time, you know, she would have to elevate herself up to But also, down.
0: he's built this set. He's done yes. his classic Fincher. Every single gag needs to be tested for like two weeks before we film it. I mean, so much of this crazy DVD set is him just giving notes back on like the fucking rubber... Uh, Dwight Yoakam fingers hitting the floor, not looking right, you oh, know? Wow. Like, shit like that, where everything is, like, so precisely worked out. He's done this fucking previous thing to the nines, and now suddenly it's like, your actress can't move. And he's like, well, untenable. I'm not rethinking the entire movie around her not right. being able to move around. Right. Um... He goes then and says, we need to shut down and look for a new actress. And as you said, it was $3 million in profit if they just cut their losses and right. shut the movie down. If they let him take a break, yes. continue renting the studio space, keeping everyone on hold while he rejiggered yes. it, it costs an additional $10 million ten.
1: extra to the budget. Right.
0: So they were like, you just have to keep shooting as much with the robbers as you can right. while we figure out the actress problem.
2: Ooh, okay, this... This, it's a nightmare. This builds into a theory I have about the a movie. Night. Okay, but
0: okay. he's just barreling ahead. Jodie Foster was supposed to make Flora Plum, which yes. is one of her grand passion project movies that never got made. Her circus movie. She was pushing uphill for so
1: fucking long. She had Russell Crowe and then Russell yes. Crowe hurt himself yes. making it or whatever, preparing for it. And yeah. so it shuts down. She was supposed to be in the game. In the Sean Penn part. Would have been so cool. Yes. Oh, Not that man. Sean Penn isn't fun in the game. He's kind of funny, but like loved Fincher. Yeah, and had she wanted was, to work with him. She had talked to him about Mank, which is like right. already a thing. Yes, like they, they have Mank. I assume for the Amanda Seyfried for Marion Crane, you know, sure, yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah. you know, back Davies. then, Marion Davies not yeah. Marion Crane, Marion Crane's from Psycho. Um, but like, right, you know, so like they were yes, they were they had circled each other before. Yeah, and so they bring her
0: in, but it was a thing where it's like, here's the pitch. If you want to do this you start filming in 2
1: days. Um right and you know Fincher says like you know obviously the the plus is you're getting Jodie Foster. You're getting yeah. a double academy award winner who's mm-hmm. still pretty hot at this point I feel like yeah. career wise, yes. right? Yes.
2: Yeah. Also, is you have to be like Jodie, can you get tank top ready? She's like already tank top ready. I'm, <laughs> I'm tank, top, tank top ready. I'm tank top, top ready. ready year round. She's kind um, of
0: a bit of a, a yeah, little she bit of a She's done gap.
2: Anna
1: and the
0: King. Right. But
2: before that, contact. It's contact and, and the King. And, and
0: then it's three years until this and Ultra Boys in the same year. We're What's Ultra the, Brave the Brave one? one? That's 07. Seven. Okay. That's sort of her this run post panic room of This
1: is her flinty era. It's right. this flight plan uh An Inside,
2: inside man, man and
1: the Brave One where she
2: plays right.
0: like
1: flinty people. And she's doing
0: sort of like high thread count thrillers, mm-hmm. right, right? Yes, right, right, right. adult
1: thrillers. Um and uh yeah, as Fincher puts it, you know, you're, you're you you know, Nicole Kidman, Grace Kelly. Yeah. Glamour, physicality with Jodie Foster he says it's all about what happens in her eyes. Yeah. Um, you know, she's nobody's fucking pet. She's nobody's trophy wife. Like, she's a different. She doesn't make as much sense. It's true as like the divorcee of an older guy who's rich, right? Who's kind of like been a you know cast aside.
2: Yeah, you immediately are like huge questions about this relationship from scene one. You're like, what with
1: Nicole Kidman? You get it's like, oh, it's some asshole who's like, oh, you're thirty five, traded in for new model model, kind of thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: you're like, did she just? What was this marriage like? I mean, my internal canon. Did in, she leave him? It feels like she left him. In my
1: head. Because he was cheating on her or whatever,
0: right? Right. Yeah. In my head, it's like they met when they were young.
1: But he's not. He's like 20 years older than her. When they were younger, let's say. Sure. Right. Right. right, right. Maybe not 20, but he's, well, he's way older than her. My My feeling I get is the
0: inherent downfall of their marriage that existed the whole time was that he was intimidated by her.
3: Mm. Yeah,
1: well, right. I'd be intimidated by her. That's how I read the movie. Is that like he's the actor is twenty four years older than Jodie okay. Foster, yeah, which makes sense. Her
0: her lack of submissiveness is what because even in uh, the opening scenes with uh, Kristen Stewart, what I think she plays very well. Is it's like oh, the downfall of this divorce was probably you are emotionally inaccessible. Also, she cloned herself when she had a child. Yeah, he was like now
4: there's two of you. Yes, <laughs>
1: I, can't, I can't fight. You know, come on. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I like I like him. I like his casting. His casting's a really good surprise mm-hmm. when this older guy comes in, you're like, Who's this? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh right. You know, like that's what this relationship was. Like he was, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe a professor, right? She's going back to school. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But he's rich. So he's a professor on the side, if he's anything. No,
2: he's a pharmaceutical guy. Right, he's, right. That's he's, he's, he's how they like, say he has his right, money. Right,
1: right, right. They right.
2: recognize his name.
1: I think it's old he's family. Like, she's, she's
2: married to Merck. He's a Sackler. Yeah, a, he's, yes, old he's Sackler. He's a fucking Sackler.
1: Yeah. Um, she was supposed to be the uh, president of the uh, can jury this year. Right. Had to step down. Liv Ullman swoops in mm-hmm. and uh, gives the Palme d'Or, I just have to look this up, to the son's room. Yeah, no. Nanny Moretti film. Okay. <laughs> Should
3: have given
0: it to fucking Mulholland Drive. This is that year? Yeah, 2001. Jodie would have.
1: Jodie would have. Shrek. Yeah, Jodie would have
0: been This is like, the
2: Shrek year? Yeah. Shrek,
1: it's time.
0: Yeah, Jodie... i just imagining Jodie Foster getting up and saying, the wait is finally ogre. <laughs> the palm door goes to Shrek.
2: Somebody <laughs> once told me... <laughs>
0: Orchestra plays it live. (laughs) I'm dizzy. I'm dizzy. (laughs) Shrek gets on stage and farts.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Donkey!
0: <laughs> yeah. He do, do, just they, says do, 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 that. They do. let a mascot character accept the Palm d'Or and give the
1: speech. Andrew Adamson is sitting in the fucking audience, his arms <laughs> crossed. I want to accept the award. They're like, no, Shrek's getting it. It's for
0: Shrek. <laughs> Andrew Adamson had this brief moment where he did Shrek, yeah. he did Shrek 2, yeah. and then the first Narnia film. Yeah. And yeah. he went, this man has the highest box minus. office average. Of any director in film history.
1: This guy could remake Solo and it would make a billion dollars. Yes. <laughs> he yes. could do anything.
0: And then what? Then he did the second Narnia, which everyone was like, here we go Narnia, fucking Evergreen franchise, second movie falls off a cliff. No yeah. one gives a shit.
1: Yeah. And then has he done anything since then? Yeah, he did a movie called Mr. Pip. Okay. Oh, and he directed uh, with Hugh Laurie. A Cirque du Soleil and he directed IMAX film. A Cirque du Soleil IMAX film. Yeah. Uh, uh, which made Mr- $34 million The box office hey. It's not bad for a Cirque du Soleil movie Adamson's got the touch uh, Mr. Pip appears to be uh, I don't know Hugh Laurie He's grumpy What do you want from me? I don't know um, Panic room So she steps down She has mm-hmm. nine days to prep Yeah um, The other thing She starts filming it Right as Hannibal comes out mm. Jodie Foster had famously To turn down Yes $15 million To be in Hannibal Because yeah. she thought It was and I quote, "Gross." Yeah, I don't know. She actually Ew, said that. yuck. Um, and Dino De Laurentiis, a famously chill guy who mm-hmm. never said anything weird in the press, no. you know, had was basically like motherfucking her in the press yes. over this. Yes. like being like, you know, she needs us more than we need her, and like she has no sex appeal. Uh huh. Like he's literally said that. Yeah.
2: Julianne Moore.
1: Uh, no, Jodie Foster. I mean, Julianne Moore replaces. Is her. that right. who it yes. is? Correct. Yes. Darling. Yes. yes. Starling. yes. Uh, and then she uh, starts making the movie five weeks into the shoot. She uh, sits down with David Fincher and she's like, I'm pregnant.
0: Right. So presumably she's been... Trying? I don't know. Right. Yes. Right. Um, uh, what what can be a very long and unpredictable process. And it finally takes in the middle of filming this intensely physical, technically demanding film.
1: Right. Uh, so then they like put on a sweater for a lot of the scenes. None of this is in the movie. Yes. Like that, you know, that we see. Give her an oversized sweater and just
0: say, we're going to push through this and we will not tell anyone until it gets to the point where it is undeniable. Uh, basically because of the same thing of, like, we can't shut down production. Right. And then when he screens it to the studio, they're like, we don't like any of these sweater scenes. Yeah, we hate this sweater vibe. Right. And so then they, like, you know, reshot a bunch of it. Right. And... They basically, like, finish the movie in order to screen the movie for them to then right. get the money to go back and reshoot the stuff after she'd had the kid.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Right. That makes yeah. sense.
0: Yeah. but But also an insane thing where it's just, like, they start filming the movie with a different person, then they're filming the movie with no star then they film with her then they're filming a bunch of stuff that gets thrown out in the name of her pregnancy and then they finally go back and finish the movie like four months before it comes out right the final leg of the shoot was like end of one
1: um it's look It yeah it shouldn't have been easy but it happened and it's fine so nine
2: eleven also happens in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, true. Yes, um, yes. And in a post nine eleven. We're making panic room.
0: Okay? Mid OJ climate.
2: <laughs> mid OJ climate. We
0: still live in a mid OJ climate.
2: <laughs> we live in a peak OJ climate. I yeah.
0: feel. He's one of my favorite content creators.
1: <laughs> he is out there. I mean, God bless him. Um, King poster. Uh, not God bless him. He's a terrible person. <laughs> Wait, why did I say that? I, I'm totally. Uh, uh, I have to tell Ben this next thing
0: right in ballot OJ Simpson for president
1: what what do you have to tell Ben so the character of Raul in this film is played by Dwight Yoakam yeah uh, a, a singer yeah but also he'd been in Sling Blade that was kind of what he got cast off of right? I think He's... we need
0: to do a Dwight Yoakam character side we'll sidebar do, we'll, we'll in we'll a talk second about that. we'll
1: yeah. talk about that in a second but the first choice was Maynard James Keenan <laughs> the, the front man, the the man the of Tool <laughs> I actually Saw this. Uh, I figured you might have. Uh, yeah. He was busy working with a perfect circle at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Follow up because that perfect circle sounded kind of like a super group, right? It was like him and. Who's the other big guy? Like James Iha from Smashing Pumpkins and stuff. You know, it was like okay. cast offs from other whatever hard rock bands. Yeah. So
2: Raul had to be a rock star in this concept. I guess
1: he's just like, I just want a sort of like weird singer freak with kind of glassy eyes.
2: <laughs> like, Lee, Lee was on a veil, <laughs> it, it is funny how
1: often he puts
2: one
0: musician in his movies. Boop. Right, but like the meatloaf, Justin Timberlake, Dwight
4: Yoakam.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, if
4: you've got the access, you got the Rolodex, why not? But like, is that guy in any movies, Maynard Keenan? Like... No, but he had done videos for him. No, I know.
1: Right, and that's he's, the other thing. He's I guess, sort of spooky looking. I guess
0: part of it is just like a decade of Fincher working with musical artists on music videos, and he must have had some takeaway of maybe sometimes they're easier direct than actors because they don't come in with pesky ideas or something. And
2: also sometimes you'd be like, this guy's a star. Right,
0: right, right. This guy's just playing well on camera. He'd
2: be like, Dave Grohl, I bet he's funny and he's down for anything. Yeah.
1: Um, Dave Grohl, DTA. M- uh, ben, you a tool guy? Yeah. Yeah?
4: Yeah. Big time in high school.
1: Really? Yeah. So, they passed me by. I don't know much about tool. No.
4: I know of them, obviously. Moody, intense, heavy. They're called Tool. They're called Tool.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eva, you a tool gal? No, <laughs> obviously I love Tool time with Tim Taylor.
0: Yeah, um, I was gonna say I'm a Tool man. Yeah, when it comes I, to Tim,
2: I know they're cool.
1: Um, are they cool?
2: Tool? I think so. They didn't they have a video where there's like a weird little head that goes fast?
1: I mean that sounds fucking great.
4: Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing here Keenan um made not Keenan from Keenan Kel, mm. Keenan from lead singer Tool. For sure, right made a cameo in an episode of comedy Bang Bang.
2: Whoa.
4: As a fictional punk musician named Barf Edwards.
2: <laughs> oh man. Was that
4: it, after you'd left? Yeah
2: how, it must like, have been. Yes. It was do you know what season that is? Does it say? Uh
4: it does not. Okay. I,
2: I don't I don't think I was there for Barf Edwards. Barf Edwards is that's really funny. Objectively funny name. Uh, <laughs> um another yes. thing I read,
0: mm-hmm. it sort of reminds me of the Elaine uh, May ecosystem of the film quote that we bring up a lot that was established in our uh, Swing Shift episode. But uh, after all this crazy stop and start production, uh, they finally get the movie done, right? Uh, end of 2001, they cut it together. There's obviously post-production to do on this. They test screen it. Uh, the audience, like, hates the ending yes. because they feel too sympathetic for Forrest right. Whitaker right. and they feel bad for him. Right, And he goes to Sony and he's like, we need to reshoot the ending and give him a less harsh ending or a less sad ending let's right. say right and they were like we are not letting you rebuild this
1: fucking set yeah, again like get the hell out of it here is so they just find alternate happening. takes where he looks less bummed out right
0: what i maybe my interpretation of this was wrong that they used alternate takes for the rest of the film to make him less sympathetic oh, up until that that's point. That's
1: interesting. I think you are right. That Forrest that Whitaker is
0: such a like naturally kind of like wounded he, actor, right? That they were He's like, so good at that, right? Ugh. We we have chosen the most empathetic takes for him in every moment. What we need to do if we can't change the ending is change the DNA of the movie up until that point to make him a little more conflicted.
2: Um, guys, in two thousand six. I got a job as a PA on a commercial. Okay. Okay. Um, it was a commercial that aired before movies. Okay. It was like a turn
3: I off your
1: phone those. commercial. Big
3: fan. Okay, this turn was, off
1: your phone commercial. Okay, so it's like, hi, I'm Tom Cruise, and you better hit that red button. Yeah. So.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> back then you had to hold down the red button. My
2: PA and
1: please turn off your phone. Was
2: driving around the uh-huh. writer, uh, the writer, director, and star of the commercial, Forrest Whitaker. <gasps> So triple threat. And it it was very funny because the the commercial was supposed to be we're filming it in MacArthur Park. There had just been these like big immigration kind of um, protests. Mm -hmm. And this was built around those. And the idea was that there was like a protest going on. And then Forrest Witter gave this speech in the middle that was being translated into Spanish that was about. Freedom, but also like turn off your phones or whatever. <laughs> Listen carefully. It
1: uh, sounds like a tight needle to thread. But okay, okay. <laughs>
2: the <laughs> sure. night before the, we aired that we filmed the commercial, the uh the f- like phone company that was sponsoring it came to them. They were like, we cannot have any political messages in this commercial, and is
0: can Whitaker. A, a a very politically outspoken yes. man, yes. very politically driven, has never pulled.
1: But words. I might have told him that like Sprint's not going to go for this, yes. buddy. Right? Like, yeah. So whoever we, it was, what we ended
2: up filming. What ended up airing was like just people holding up signs that just said uh, "Believe in something" or just like
4: <laughs>
1: "Wow, uh,
2: maximize you" or whatever. Up g- with people. <laughs> things
4: just, matter. They,
2: they, totally, things matter. Like nobody's nerfing. But um, I so but I I was his driver. And his like kind of chaperone for two weeks. Um, and uh, he was so nice. I really, really liked him. Shout out. He told me some stuff about um, Battlefield Earth, which okay. was okay. Oh, fuck. sure,
3: right? Yeah.
1: Yes.
0: What was it, year was this that you were doing? 2006. So this is okay. like okay. four or, five, five or six years ago. I know later. it was
2: 2006 because the week two of the job, he got nominated for yeah. Last King of Scotland. I was saying, yeah. He's about, it to was
1: about to thunder yeah. to an Oscar, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: but um. The other—we were uh, in—because we were in MacArthur Park, um, unhoused people would come up to him constantly and talk to him, and he would talk to anybody— but what was the funniest thing was that they all recognized him from the movie Species. Sure. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but also, a lot of them would just be like, hey, congratulations, I love K- Last King of Scotland. Like, they'd seen it in the theater, and they yeah. were like, yeah. complimentary. And, and also, it's like, no one
1: looks like him. No. Like, oh, he yeah. must be one no. of the most the instantly most recognizable yeah. celebrities. His gait is recognizable.
2: And, and,
0: like, he is, he has changed shape several times in his career. His He sure. has gone up and down at different times. He always is undeniably Forrest Whitaker. Yeah,
2: yeah and really, like, I, I really got in this movie just like the most empathetic performer like it's really hard not to like him even when he's being a giant dick like his character is being making bad decisions you're just like oh don't hurt him
0: there is a term, right, and this is the cut of the movie where they tried to make him less empathetic, He's the,
2: He's, like, so one of the emotional cores of the entire talks, movie. You can it's why the movie see works, that
0: being right. a problem of, like, if you just pick his best take for every scene, the entire audience is going to be rooting for him to win, Yeah, you know? Um, there's a term Marin always uses on WTF, and I think he got it from some actor he was interviewing years and years ago talking about working with Gene Hackman, and they said, what's Gene Hackman like? And I try to remember who the fuck it was. I mean, it's Steven Tobolowski or someone like that. Said, like, that guy knows how to fill up.
2: Like, fill up himself or fill up the the screen? Fill Fill up himself with emotion. Oh, yeah. Fill up,
0: yeah. You know, yeah. like just basically like before the cameras roll, you see it. The guy just fills up and suddenly it's all there. It's not him Fuck. playing something. It's all just in there. And you hear there.
1: this weird noise, too. It's like yeah. kind of gurgling. Yeah, there's, a, right.
2: there's this moment that I watched a couple of times when he's chasing down Jared Leto yeah. and saying like, I'm going to open the room myself and when they come for me i'm gonna know who called and yes. it's just like he's like terrifying he's completely reasonable yes. like right. it's like oh. you can
1: tell why he's panicked right. himself yeah. right like what he what what's at stake for him
2: he's but, like mad but you're like he's justified
0: outside of e. Amin though it's one of those weird oscar wins where you're like this is kind of not
1: what he usually does right well mm-hmm. and it's the classic oscar win of like He's a at that point he's a fairly beloved sort of character actor yeah. guy. He's directed movies. He's right. Everyone likes Faris Whitaker. Do, do you know at one point he was offered this script to direct mm-hmm. earlier before that Fincher makes sense came though. on? Yeah. Wow. Um. And like so, like everyone likes him. Yes. But then it's like, what are you win the Oscar for? Like, you know, doing this sort of like big broad performance. that's an impression. It's, it's a like quietly a transformation, a supporting performance, but a supporting it's so colorful. he is good in that movie. Oh, he's obviously. fantastic.
0: But I feel like usually his thing is just like he's an actor where every time I see him on screen. Oh no. Um, ben, something... can we turn on the monitors?
4: Yeah, hold on. The
0: hold dog on. thieves are outside our door again. Genuine noise outside this place. Yeah, some this screaming. Is not a bit. This is
1: four dogs in ski masks. This is the same year as Phone Booth panic room. Right. Which is another movie he's really good in as like The Guy.
4: Okay, say fuck you. Fuck you. All right, great.
1: Um, uh, love him in phone booth I, I I was just saying that let me help you Colin Farrell Whitaker's like the. nah ultimate. man you can't help me I'm on the phone I can't do <laughs> Colin Farrell phone. I'm from
0: Brooklyn <laughs> he's like the ultimate that guy knows how to fill up actor for me where just anytime he's on screen you're like outside of shit like Last King of Scotland or sometimes the movie will give him the one big scene you know and something else the
1: Black Penta.
0: I don't think of him as being, like, a very demonstrative actor. He mm-hmm. tends to whisper. Right, he tends
1: to be kind of a very sort of like, shuffly guy.
0: This guy's, yeah. like, vibrating with emotion, right? Like, this guy is just constantly sort of, like, on edge of something.
2: Looks it, like he's
1: about to cry. Yes.
2: Oh, it's, he's got, you know, he he's can use his eye in yes. a certain way. incredibly well. He always seems incredibly smart. He's always at, like, the absolute height of his intelligence. Right,
0: and he's, he's choosing his words very carefully, you know? But it's, like, he's not doing a lot externally it feels like it's all just kind of inside of him
2: it's my yeah
0: favorite. i mean ghost dog i guess is my favorite for us what occur he's so cool i love the, that the, the movie. other thing i love about him he like comes out of the gate he books a couple big movies right he's got like the brief moment and fast times at richmond he's high big scene, he's yeah. got the great scene in color of money great in color of money great in platoon post those movies Good morning, he's Vietnam. Like, i don't think i know my craft enough i'm gonna go back do like a conservatory mm. He, like, went back to graduate acting school, I believe, after he was already booking. Hmm. And I think he says it was kind of Color of Money where he was just like, Paul Newman can do stuff that I can't.
2: That's so cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he did do... He did take a course at Drama Studio London. Yeah. Um, But, you know, he's in Bird in 88, which is, like, he should have been nominated for an Oscar for that. He's amazing in that. I love Forrest Wicker. He's amazing in this. The part was written as, like a glib businessy guy yeah and fincher was like no it should be like a blue collar guy who installs like the panic room yeah. not like the sort of like nerdy designer of the panic room if that makes sense no y- yeah yes it makes much more sense um and uh, yes fincher said I, whitaker said yeah i didn't find it interesting as a filmmaker when i was approached but with fincher like gets how to make something like this uh jared leto Jared Leto is in this film. You've worked with Jared Leto.
2: I I did not work with him directly. I, I wrote you wrote on, on a his show, show he was on, right. and I got a gift from him in character. Mm-hmm. A rap gift <laughs> My from favorite act. Just <laughs> um, he sent me a gift as Adam right. Newman. Uh, good gift. Um, Thank but- God
0: he did not send you a gift as a
2: Joker. As Joker, um, I got a gift right. from a nice character. Right.
1: Yeah, that's good when it's like you got a get from a Jared Leto character. Which one? <laughs> I will say, like, this. unfortunately, it's the creepy billionaire from Blade Runner. Ah, <laughs> oh, oh, right. goddammit! What did he send me? Hearing he, he sent me like a fetus.
0: <laughs> <hearing> <laughs> he sent gifts as Adam Newman makes me slightly less critical of the Joker gifts, where I'm like, if he does this if on he always every does movie, it.
1: right? It's at least a continuum. Um. Now, J.J. says, I do not say this lightly, these are two of the greatest quotes I've ever found for this show. All right, okay. Fincher. Yeah. This is about him talking about like, okay, I've cast Dwight Yoakam. That's on mm-hmm. one sort of end of the spectrum. Uh, I've cast Forrest Whitaker. He's on the other. I turned to a CA agent. Who can I get to be in the middle? It's got to be someone little and glib. Who has the aspiration to be Latrell Spreewell, mm-hmm. Jared Leto, original gangster. Jared came in, he had the gold teeth. He was doing this whole rap thing. Uh-huh. I said, I'm not sure t- about all this. He went away, came back with cornrows in his hair. And I thought, oh, my God, this speaks to so much to him being like a wannabe hard guy, a fucking like, you know, wannabe OG and then he says, "Uh, he was asked, like, do you think Jared's tired of, like, getting beaten up in your movies? Because mm-hmm. in the Fight Club as well, he like, gets a ship now. down him. His
2: face gets burned in yes. both movies. I want to destroy says, something
1: beautiful. Yeah. He says, he's perfect for it, isn't he? If there's any guy who's, whose face you want to see get burned off, it's him. He, he he totally gets what to use him for. It's wild that not only did
0: Fincher have such a good understanding of Jared Leto and how to use him effectively on screen, but also such a good understanding of the audience's relationship to Jared Leto. Not just what is he good at as an actor, but also like what will people enjoy seeing him do slash happen to him?
2: yeah. I I just had the question, and knowing that they were maybe just doing these scenes, waiting for a new actors to get yeah. filmed, it does seem like Jared Leto's doing more than anyone in the entire movie. By
1: absolutely, everyone 800%. else is giving pretty subtle, <laughs> yeah, charactery performances, and Jared Leto is just like spitting fireballs. I yes. wrote down
2: a lot of his lines because oh, they're please. they're pretty funny. Um, I also felt like at one point I was like, "Oh, is he? Is he?" T- Going full Buscemi and Fargo. I think that's his
0: aspiration.
2: Yeah, is that what he thinks he's doing near the end? Because there's there's a thing I like when, like, there's certain actors who are very good at weaponizing their own beauty. Yes. Um, Especially, like, later in life, I'm thinking, like, Hugh Grant is somebody who's gotten really good at... Knowing what was attractive about him and now making it oh, disgusting. I'm kind of an old mm-hmm. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. He's,
4: so or, and so,
1: or
2: like Jude Law is kind Definitely. of doing it in a cool way now.
0: Pitt got there,
1: but yeah, eventually. Jude, Pitt yeah. is very good at actually being hot in a movie and playing it like against the as character. a character, like right. you know, yes. like a yes.
0: money so ball like or whatever. This
2: thing you love about me is actually disgusting. Right,
0: but Jared um, Leto at this moment in his career is in that moment where he's just like, I wish I was less pretty. Like exactly. A, right.
2: He's like, I want to be Brad Pitt in Twelve Monkeys. I want to be right. like, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Jordan. Jordan Catalano. Right. Um, And it seems like he's really swinging for the fences. Um, There's a part where, okay, there's a part where um, uh, Forrest Whitaker says, he's laughing. He says, I I spent the last 12 years of my life building these rooms specifically to keep out people like us. And uh, Lodo goes, oh, it's all so ironic and amusing. (laughs) And he we, we goes, uh, congratulations, you bought a black ski mask. You made a million dollars. Your parents will be really proud. He's,
3: whether
1: or not it's intended, just so perfect. Yes. As a guy, of course, who needs to get shot in the face in this right. movie.
2: He goes, oh, so now you're a tax attorney. I'm out of here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> But also, right, is a guy who's like, yeah, I know how to do a robbery. You know, like where you're like, you don't know anything. You are an idiot. (laughs) But like Dwight Yoakam is... But the swagger of him in this
0: movie is so important. Dwight Yoakam is genuinely scary in this film, right? So scary. Forrest Whitaker is such a well of emotion you need the guy who's just a piece of shit, Absolutely
3: and is
1: an entertaining piece of, shit. piece of shit. Like this movie, it's the classic Hitchcocky right. thing, or any of these crime movies, which has like become a, unbearably grim. The characters need to be completely different, have different right. motivations, different levels of yeah, of like morality.
0: And like Kidman is, I imagine, would have played this more icy to Jodie Foster, steely. But like in either conception of the film, you need one guy to be this. Yeah, and it does feel like I agree with you that he's you know. I, uh, I'm i going to anonymize this story. There was an actor uh, I hung out with a couple times who was a sort of uh, 2010s uh, uh, attempt at a leading man. Okay. Okay. All right. A, a sort of pretty boy guy who was slotting into the lead role or the romantic lead in a couple films and had a hot streak and it had sort of ended. And it was maybe my first time meeting this guy. He was dating a friend of mine. And he like drunkenly ranted to me. Of it. he just went like, "Your career's gonna be so much fucking better than mine." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he was just like, "I thought I was like fucking hot shit, and all my like weirdo, funny looking actor friends are on that running laps around me." And it was just sort of like John McGarro and Rami Malik and all <laughs> these guys who were uncastable for so long, and now everyone thinks that they're brilliant. You know? This
2: guy sounds like just fun.
0: Piece of shit guy. I'm
2: sure you're like, I'm glad my friend's dating this guy. Absolute piece of shit guy.
0: (laughs) I'm so glad she got out of that. But I do, I can imagine Jared Leto watching Fargo and having the same feeling, you know? Totally. Where he's just like, I wish I could just
1: fucking do that. Yeah. I'm like cursed with my looks. Yes. My beautiful
3: eyes. I mean, because
1: at this point, like his whole career, obviously, yes, he breaks out playing Jordan Mm Catalano on My So-Called Life and he was you know all the girls loved him mm-hmm. um and then he's in stuff like how to make an american quilt like where it's like right. do that right like he does prefontaine or pre-Fontaine, without Pre-Fontaine, yeah. prefontaine um but uh, and you know urban legend he's yes. like one of the guys who's like oh guys there's an urban legend right <laughs> um but then it's like black and white fight club girl interrupted american psycho requ- requiem for a dream highway panic room so phone booth so he's done Alec, requiem you know.
2: for a dream at this point yes. that's interesting yeah so he's really wor- he's just like make me weird and gross. Right, I and, need to
1: yeah. be strung out and weird. I need to have these parts that are very, like, big and demanding. I need so much to do. Um, Right, right. A lot of business. But Obviously, also, it goes all the way to chapter 27, where it's right. like, Jared, no one's going to see this movie, and he's just like, oh, <laughs> he's, I, will, I will gain as much weight I as
0: I can. I've invoked this multiple times, but he literally would buy pints of Ben and Jerry's, yes. put them in the microwave, melt them, and chug them.
2: That's Is it him playing...
0: Uh, the killer, Mark John David Lennon. Chapman. Yes. yes, and he developed gout doing this, and the movie basically gout. was released in two theaters because <laughs> right. it was a bad movie. No one wanted to see it, it. Was eighteen months of wind up of like, holy shit, he's gonna go fucking full raging bull. The uh, lengths he's going to for this performance, and you're like, why would you do this for this script in this part that no one wants to see? Right. Um, and then that's when he takes like a long break where he doesn't really yeah. do a movie when again he starts,
4: until uh, Dallas being a Club, and stuff,
1: right? Which, thank God, what a cultural gain.
4: When did the band start?
1: Like 30 Seconds to Mars releases their first album in 2002. Uh, so the same year as this. Um, But I feel like they really do sort of take yeah. off more in the late
2: 2000s. Chapter 27
0: yeah. comes out 2007. And that's when he's just like, I'm retired from acting. I'm full-time musician. When's
2: Dallas Spires Club?
0: That's, 2013. Yeah.
2: Okay, so that's his comeback. There's basically first, a five-year
1: gap. My first date with Forking. Really? really? Wait, have I never told you that before on this podcast? Dallas Buyers I Club. I know. What an in- insane choice. <laughs> I know. We <laughs> were it, just like, we, let's see. You got a married movie. and had a child? That movie literally begins with Matthew McConaughey having rough sex. Yes. And then, next scene, you have AIDS. <laughs>
0: I can't believe you guys, and I hate to be crass here, ever had sex if that was the way you met.
1: Yeah. yet, um, but no, no. I think it was just kind of, it was Oscar season. It was like the winter of 2013. Sure. We were like, let's see a movie. Well, and if you're going on a date and she suggests a movie, you're like, well,
0: here's what I need to see to get through the Oscar season. You have a checklist.
1: <laughs> I th- but I think it was also, like, it was like between like 12 Years a Slave and Dallas, but like there were not Better a lot pick. of like romantic yeah. movies out no, there. No, no. Um, yeah. Absolute dog shit movie, in my opinion.
0: Uh, Eva. Yes. Uh, we Crashed, the show you wrote for, yes. That Jared Letter was on. Yes. Was was a pretty deep COVID production, right? Where you were not on Settle. That was a COVID yeah, Zoom it was, room. It was
2: shot it was COVID Zoom room and yeah. then shot in New York. And yes. so only the we had one writer who lived in New York. Okay. And she visited Set once. And she was the one, Eleanor. Who told me that the present was from Adam was from Richard Leonard. Gotcha. Because it was like I I didn't even meet the showrunners yeah. until um the premiere. I didn't okay. meet see anyone in person until the premiere. Right,
3: right. especially
0: because right. of COVID. Right. Yeah, especially well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you did you hear anything? Was anything relayed to you? Because like Adam Newman is a goofier character than he usually plays. Yeah, of what his behavior was like on set. Because the thing that surprised me watching this fucking voluminous special features set where there was just like a very long video of the making of Panic Room, that's not even structured like a documentary. It's basically almost like a travelogue. You're sort of seeing like just extended clips of footage of them working out shit. He's just doing bits the whole fucking time. He's not doing any Methody shit. Oh, weird. It's just him like fucking with Fincher. And I, like going up to the camera and talking to the camera as if it's MTV Cribs when everyone else is just sort of treating it as like fly on the wall.
2: I wonder when he got into method, because the one thing I do know about Set is that he stayed in character the entire shoot. Yeah. As Adam Newman. Which was a multi month Adam <laughs> Newman experience. He
1: actually, yeah, he actually um went out of business yes. himself. He bankrupted himself. Right, right. Yes. He crashed.
2: He he like he would keep his Israeli accent yeah year year round
0: wow um okay yeah so- I was
2: just so surprised
0: watching this where it truly just had the energy of like uh just a dude with too much uh energy like on set just trying to get attention but not with the self-serious actory thing.
2: Well, when did he switch over? Was it Dallas Buyers Club? Was it earlier? Did he the thing with have it, a guru that I, was like you must do this? Right.
1: I think it's I think I don't know. But I think it's like when Dallas Buyers Club came out and he was like, "Yeah, I'm a method guy. Like yeah. this is what I do." I've always been doing it. And I guess he'd done things like Chapter 26. Sure. He'd always been doing it. But yes. then he does it, he does it with
2: Morbius. He does it with everything now.
1: and and then, But then it became part of the press cycle in a way. I think where now also journalists are like, so what'd you do this time, Jared? Tell us. Right. You
2: do know, you think he was like brain. not Blade Runner? He was like eyes closed like knocking I think into things? he did
1: literally wear contact lenses that made him blind and stuff like that <laughs> for Blade Runner. Yes, <laughs> yes. 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 He, did. he did. People had to like lean and, to the bathroom and, and like, shit. it is crazy.
2: It's always bathroom. I've- it always just has it's always, it gets the shit. it's always bathroom. It's always like bathroom. Shit with bathroom him. too slow. Uh, yes. <laughs> Israeli bathroom.
1: <laughs> you have these guys like Fincher World and bathroom. Villeneuve, like these, these great directors who Duck work Mike with more. Yes. And I feel like Villeneuve was like. Yeah, you know he's he's such a committed guy. You got, yes. you know, they always talk about him in this way where it sounds like they're talking about like a special student at school. And like, you know, he really is trying. It's really like <laughs> you, you got to respect the effort off this guy, right? But the
0: dynamic on this on the on the video, Fincher I gets was it with watching him, right? it was, was like, also like it was like Leto is his annoying younger brother. Right, And he's just going, like, I double-doggy dare you to do this. <laughs> and let Leto be like, absolutely, fucking set me on fire. Like, they're showing the video of him, like, testing being set on fire over
1: and over again. He's like, this is fun. Let's fucking do it again. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, we should talk about the plot of Panic Room. We really sure. have to. Okay. Meg Altman mm-hmm. and Sarah, her mm-hmm. daughter. Yes. She's 11 years old. Uh-huh. Meg is not. Meg is older right. than that. They move into an insane building on the Upper West Side. A townhouse. A townstone, sure. A big four-story townhouse yeah, uh, that has a panic room in it. The mm-hmm. first scene of this movie. Who plays the real estate agent? It's Anne Magnuson. Anne Magnuson. Yes, right, right. Who's, great.
2: The, who's the man?
0: It's Ian Buchanan who He's was so
2: fun.
1: a soap opera star. That's who I was trying to. And then he remember.
0: was on its Gary Shandling show. Okay. He is on a number of great. other shit. I love him. I think um, he is
1: incredible.
2: That first scene sets a tone that is not the movie of extreme camp. It,
1: yes. it is kind of campy, but although it's very, I feel like, accurate to the experience of high-end Manhattan yes. real estate then especially, but even yes. now. But uh, I also just love it as a he's like, let me show you around the set of this movie. Yes. You know, so you
0: understand how it works. Anne Magnusson was sort of like the original Mary Lynn Roscoe, where she was like a weirdo East Village performance artist who then right. started working as sort of like a comedic character actress. She's
2: like a Joe's Pub person, totally. kind of, right?
0: Yes. And then Ian Buchanan was like comically handsome, suave soap opera star. Hello,
4: yes, that who was a bit
0: of, of a phenomenon. And then I, I think within soap opera fandom, right. and then Gary Shandling sort of like reclaimed him and is like, "Do you want to like poke fun of your own image? I Just love like that. heighten it ten percent." And then after that, he did on the air the weird David Lynch sitcom. Oh, sure. Ooh. but he does a lot of stuff like this now, where he sort of does the camp version of the way he looks and sounds. Uh,
1: yeah, right. I mean, he's perfect for this. Yes. This scene. But I just love... Also, it's kind of like you're getting cranked up on a roller coaster. You're going up the, you know... David, that is the exact analogy for this movie. I was going to say... Well, I fucking
0: got there first. A movie like this, even it's more like it's so... It's gonna
1: be all thrills. Than
0: like a straight horror movie. Right. A, a real capital T thriller, right? As yeah. a kid, and I... I at 13, I'm still a kid when the, I see this movie in theaters stressed me out, freaked me out more than anything where the premise of the movie is like a thing is gonna go wrong and you're just stuck in it until it's resolved. Right. Right? Like something like U571 I walked out of because it stressed me out too much. It's a little stressful. And it's right. gonna
2: happen the first night. It's gonna you happen know. the second the sun goes down. It's like, it's like, it's like the mist.
0: Absolutely. And so like this first like 15 minutes of the movie, I'm enjoying it. I like that there are jokes and everything, but I'm also just like gripping the armrest because it's like it's too late to get off the roller coaster now. It's cranking up and then it's going to start and it won't stop until it's over.
2: It's funny that the only things they tell you about the panic room are things that don't help. Yes. They're like, uh, this has got a separate phone line. Right. Unless you don't hook that up.
0: There's the laser for the door, like an elevator. Which doesn't work. No, no, no. (laughs) I
2: had to go back and watch to be like, they make a big point of this laser being important, but I guess his hand isn't near the laser.
1: It's poorly designed. There should be more than two lasers. Yeah. Because yes, that means yeah, the door can't smush your entire body. Yeah. But yeah, if you have a handout and it's not above or at the floor, yes. you're gonna get smushed.
0: But it's also it's such a hitchcocky thing of like what he really wants to do here is like put some comedy in it, put two characters in who are very different tone, two performances that are very different pitch than the rest of the movie, but really just like lure you in, entertain you enough while like unconsciously loading the entire architecture and layout of this place into your head, right? Right. Like, this whole sequence is like, you need to understand spatially everything going on in this house now. Um, Not
1: just the room. You need to get how it's going to work, but it's also, right, it's just a nice little sort of mood. Mm -hmm. Everyone be calm. Don't worry. Like, things are, and then it's like... And
0: Fincher's deep in his, like, antiseptic sort of, like... Finding color palettes that actually make you uncomfortable. Right. Right. He's still shooting on film at this point, but he uses like a ton of fluorescent lighting. Yeah.
2: yeah I my first impression of this was like, oh, every movie will end up looking like this movie yes. that yes. he makes. Like eight, he'll make eight more movies that look like this, yes. or whatever. Like not eight, but like it looks like Gone Girl. Yeah.
1: Dumb. Um. Yes. And I just, you know, he's like, we they can't move in. They'll move in, but like they can't actually change how this place looks. Like it needs to be this. This is what it is. desolate. Yes. Empty. There. You know. They. They. Those. The kid and the mom are still unsettled. You know. And so when they get broken into, like it's not even. It's not even their home yet. Really. Yeah. yeah. Is
2: the panic room full of the old man's survival kits? Yes.
1: They've like done nothing with the panic room. Yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously,
2: okay. there's more in there.
1: Here's my big question. Sure. Would you? Would you buy? Let's say money's no object. Sure. Would you would the panic room be a selling point or a, a flat no? Here's this building. Oh, it's cool, it's nice, it's got all the bedrooms you want. It does have this panic room. Are you like, great, that's I want to buy it because it has if a panic it's room.
0: Panic room versus washer dryer. I pick the place with the washer dryer. It
1: I has do, everything else. I do think the panic room's a fun bonus. I think it would spook me out too much. I think that's if it's not
4: thing. an upcharge, it's a fun bonus. You don't have to make it a panic room. It could be a wine cellar. But it's got, like, the... The security sh- system. You know, like, well, that, like, you have some really nice wine.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could make it a podcast studio. It just still would have a crazy fucking door. I think I would be spooked.
1: I don't like it. I and wouldn't. then I would worry about my kid, like, playing in the panic room Well, or sure, that's that the other as well. thing. Like, you, I like, you have a little kid. Right. right.
2: I have a teenager... And, and the teenager would, would want to hang out the pancake. Yeah.
1: Your teenager would probably be like, I'm gonna be in the panic
3: room. Yeah. I'll That's, see you in four it's days. It's fucking <laughs> yeah. Kristen
1: Stewart's joke. She goes, My room. Yeah, Definitely exactly. my room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but, first night in the in the house, they go to sleep. They go to Betty Buys. Can we just say I quickly yes. sorry?
0: Just uh, Doris Kanji was hired as the DP on this movie, he was. who yeah. Fincher had worked with. Hmm? And Great then, GP. like, in the early days before even Kidman's injury, he is no longer on the movie. And there are sort of conflicting stories about whether he quit or was fired. He was fired. There was... Or he quit. They they fought constantly. High tension, but I think a lot of it was that Fincher was, like, coming in with this previs thing, and right. he's like, do exactly this. Do yeah. exactly this with, it. like, I don't want any sort of new ideas on set. Right. Well,
2: a terrible situation for a DP. Absolutely. For an artistic DP.
0: And Conrad W. Hall... Yep. The, the son, son of Conrad, of Conrad H. Hall. legendary Conrad H. Hall cinematographer who had just passed away mm-hmm. and does not have a ton of credits as DP. And this was his first, I believe. This was his first. He was a big camera team guy. Sean Olympus has fun, so I don't know what you're talking about. Fincher just, just says, you know what? Here, you he'd rise been, to the top. To be
1: clear, he'd been a camera operator yeah, on no, uh, had Seven and Fight Club. And a large that, career, yeah.
0: but yeah. had not been the main DP. No. And was just like Here he's you doing go. what he's told. Here's the model, do what you told. Yeah. Which the movie looks great, but it does speak to the fact that Fincher just planned it out and said, I want you to just follow this path.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh no, for sure. And uh Kanji never works with Fincher again, obviously.
0: The funniest thing is they had done all this previous, they'd worked all this out, they had like fucking uh computer controlled cameras and all this sort of shit. But of course, there is this massive shift where there is a full height difference between Nicole Kidman and Jodie Foster, and everything right. they planned didn't work.
2: Oh, Jodie Foster's little. Yes. Oh.
1: Nicole Kidman is like close to six feet tall. David's size. Uh, Jodie Foster is 5'3 listed. Size. That's yes. wild. Yes. Um. So
0: they were like, we would, Conrad Hall would just put it up exactly as they it, and it would be Jodie Foster, the very top of her head at the bottom of the frame. <laughs> her little eyes, like that, that's right. the little frame. And it had all been precision time so, like, directly that they couldn't just, like, we'll just lower the camera and all of this. They ended up uh, building a box that was the exact height difference between the mm-hmm. two of them mm-hmm. that I think they called the the Nicole box. There you go. That just made Jodie Foster Nicole size.
1: Uh, That's crazy. Isn't that why it's crazy. Um, so you have this wonderful break-in thing uh, where the, you know, the, the the burglars walk in very casually. Mm-hmm. And they're just sort of stalking around and you got that shot. I feel like it was in the trailer, right? Probably. The Jody mug. sleeping.
2: Oh yeah. Oh it turns where the vertical. camera it's turns vertical. Obviously it's the poster. Yeah.
1: But I yeah. feel like it was a, but it's such an incredible great because it's not even when she realizes something is going on. Yes. It's sort of when we realize...
2: It's dread, right? The
1: dread, exactly. Yeah. Like, just, like, the guy behind her and then walking away.
0: But yes, you have Ugh. the shot, like, him really pioneering, like, CGI-assisted cinematography. Right. Mm-hmm. Of, like, the camera's going to do things it can't do. It's going to go between the slats of the chair and the handle of the coffee maker and into the keyhole to see the key going through the cylinders and undoing the lock. Um And,
1: uh... And how how and
2: why do these guys have a key? Junior, of course. Exactly.
1: Um, love that we don't really learn. It's like, you know, yeah, she figures out what's going on. She gets her kid to go in the panic room. Yeah. Okay, movies sit with them in the panic right. room. Right.
0: They think they're safe. In fact, it is the problem the stuff that, that the robbers want, they want is, in there. is in there. Yeah.
1: feel like we learn about Forrest Whitaker's character first because mm-hmm. he's like the, you know, I know how panic rooms work. I design panic rooms. Okay. He's the inside man. Then we learn about Jared Leto like way later. Sure. Like we don't really get who he is for an hour. No, other than that, he's the motor mouth. Right, he
2: shouldn't be here. He knows. He knows a lot about the family and escrow. Right, it was and,
1: his idea. Right,
2: but also
1: Raúl. Of course, we never learn anything about him no. except that he's a scary motherfucker from Flatbush. <laughs> no, he, <laughs> he's, on, he, he's on a old. bus Nintendo
2: driver. yells, "What? You're a bus driver, Raúl? You live in Flatbush? Yes. So don't start spouting some Elmore Leonard bullshit because I saw that movie too. That is, um." He could have said James Elroy, but that was his friend, so he said Elmer Leonard.
0: There oh, you go. Oh, right. that's cool. Um, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Also, just quick, I'm not. I don't. I'm not like a plot hole person, but mm-hmm. it is interesting to think about how it's it's not her stuff in the panic room.
1: Like, could she just be like, "What do you want, guys?"
2: Yeah, they're like, I'll "The stuff we you. wants in the room. We'll let you go." Well. She should have just let them in the panic room. If but they're I, in
1: masks... I, I don't think that's a plot hole. I think she doesn't know what they like. what's going it's on. Hole, but right. it's, it's funny
2: to think about at that point. There's absolutely no reason for her to be like, all oh, this stuff in the panic room is mine.
1: But the ultimate irony is they are like, we're on camera, so we're fucked. And right. of course, they are actually not on camera. Yes. And like that's a whole moment near the end of the movie when Forrest Whitaker goes to get the tapes and there they, there are no tapes. And it's like you actually could have walked out of here without any of this happening. Oh, yeah. Right, like, you know, you could have walked in and been like, fuck, there's a family in here now. We messed up. Like, forget it. Forget it. Forget it. You know,
0: like... I also think, like, her not just letting them in and letting it escalate speaks to the Fincher thing of, like, this movie is really about divorce. It is about being in a state where you're just, like... I feel so unmoored and destabilized. I can't
2: protect my kid from right. anything. Right. Yeah. I'm
0: it's I don't under I don't now. know how to right. identify
1: what the threat and is or what tra- the right yeah. way around. Right. Is. I don't
2: think it's a plot hole that she's not making the absolute best possible decision ever, but if, point. she's a human being. If yes. they
1: could talk to each other, like actually talk to each other, yes, but yeah, this might go differently. He's like, yeah. "There's
2: a safe in the panic room. We just want to get in there. Right. You can leave where right, was walk out right now. And well, right. And if anything,
0: it's what's." what's interesting about this movie is like, and it's the difference between having Foster and Kidman is like Foster never projects anything less than 100% competency and certainty. Right. And so even if the, the reasoning is this character is sort of like a little bit emotionally flipped at this moment, you do a close-up of Jodie Foster and her eyes just staring at something and you're like, she's going to figure
1: this out. Right.
2: She has 10 million. She feels very resourceful. She's a computer. Yes. She looks like
1: a computer. Would you design your panic room to maybe allow a phone signal in if you have your cell phone? I do feel like that's a design flaw. Yeah,
2: but... I guess the idea she's supposed
1: to have set up the phone line and she just hasn't done it yet. There's that? it's
2: a steel box. It's a steel box. But also... Why does it have a hole that goes to the courtyard?
1: Yeah, why does it have an air hole? Yeah,
2: because yeah. if this is for a nuclear disaster, hold the courtyard. Pfft. Right. This
1: this feels yeah. like the air know. hole. It's like I guess right. You just sort of ha- I mean it, I don't know. It's mouse trap. They're just trying you to. You have to have a moment where, the, where right.
2: It feels like this is a home invasion only panic room.
1: Yeah. Y- right. Yes. Yes. But there's there is is that moment yes. where he's like, home invasions on the rise. I'm like. I don't know, man. That's pretty specific. <laughs>
2: like,
4: there's a
1: lot of shit I'm worried but about. But then they're
2: like, but in, with this guy's family, no wonder. So, so, so he's building a panic room from Junior. He's building a Junior yes, yes, panic room, yes, right? Yes. You no, know, I mean
3: it makes sense. <laughs>
1: it's a Leto proof. Like, yeah. this was a paranoid guy, so, yeah, and he had enough money that he could just throw money at a panic room. Mm-hmm. Me, yeah, maybe a TV room, billiard room, a rumpus room, play billiards, yeah, right, a man cave. Yeah, and at least if you're gonna make a panic room, put, you know, I don't know, some shit on the wall. Like, it's like, it's a little blacklight poster. Yeah, it's a little bleak in
4: there. Yeah, hang in there, kitty poster.
1: That yeah. would be good. Well, they, and they need that advice. In yeah, man,
2: I feel like you would have a really good panic room.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I would really have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost surprising that Ben hasn't lived in a panic room before. That there was no period right, of your life like, where so you so there's were there's no window, subletting. It's
1: not technically a bedroom. It's actually technically a panic room. A of course, a lot our of the rooms I've lived in, I've <laughs> <Yeah>. had <laughs> have panic. I've yeah. experienced oh, sure. <laughs> panic. I mean, I mean I we I turn every made room this... I'm
0: in into a panic room. Of our course.
1: first podcast studio was a panic room. I guess this is. Oh yeah, that's the yeah. But canonically, we were doing. this is a panic room. Of <laughs> course, d- the depends dogs on How much work that we're gonna leave in? Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um. So I guess the first chunk of action now is, mm-hmm. you know, everyone knows where everyone is mm-hmm. and it sort of concludes with the gas attack, right? Like, it's sort of them yeah. trying to figure out how to get in.
0: Right. You're and, and yes, it's like, you know, the other thing with this movie is like, it's like Fincher doing Home Alone, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You're just like, what are they going to try to do and how are they going to retaliate?
3: Uh, it is you're... the most
2: Home alone moment. Yes. It's, yes. It's with Leto with his face up the, like Sylvester the cat. Yes. Or something pressed. He's Daffy Duck with his face pressed to the wall. But it's like
0: 20 it's a- minutes of just like kind of stretching the rubber band for like, when is the first hijink going to happen?
2: His beak ends up on the back of his head.
0: Yeah. Obviously... <laughs>
1: His head turns into a pile of ash, <laughs> and
0: slowly dissipates. I mean, that should have happened. Actually, yeah.
1: his arm, or at least, is like he's like, wait, and then he. Moves I wanted all it's... of
2: his cornrows to be flipped out. That would be and, great. Oh, fuck, that you would know, be funny. Kind point of pointed in different directions. Like be- Al
0: beak back at the head is one of my favorite things in the fucking world. <laughs> yeah, where you just go like, so wait, is the logic that his head is just a perfect sphere, <laughs> and then his beak contains all of his mouth?
2: It doesn't matter where the beak is. Yeah, yeah there's no hole. That it right. To.
1: There's no throat. Right. <laughs> Um, so, okay. Uh, yeah, well, all right, so they do the gas. The gas thing, so I'm watching this with Forky. She's never seen mm-hmm. this movie. And you were
0: saying it's one of those things where she was like, what are you watching? Uh, I'm going to- I don't
1: want, that sounds scary. Yeah, right. I don't want to watch that. A kid's in peril, and I'm like, you know, everyone's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And she puts her phone down 10 minutes, and it's like, what's, so what's going to happen next? You know, well, like, yeah. it does grab you, yeah. this movie, pretty quickly. Um, but the, uh, the gas moment definitely is a moment where, when Jody sort of goes quickly to, like, put that blanket on. I, I'm going to try something with the yeah. lighter. You're like, wait, 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 wait. Well, and Fincher, I would never do that.
0: <laughs> Fincher just makes all of this shit gnarlier than most directors yes. would without being, like, uh, uh, goofy, gore-fest gnarly. Right.
2: Fire is my phobia. It's my Fire. irrational phobia.
1: Fire sucks. I was going to say, suck. pretty rational yeah. phobia. But
2: I mean, just... I have an irrational fear of it. You
1: think, like, there's fire around every corner.
2: I, yeah, f- fire mm-hmm. burns us.
0: You sound like <laughs> the water people in the town of Element City. <laughs> but, <laughs> stars of Pixar's hit new film Element. And, of course, in Element City, that's racist. Racist! You're a racist, To think that.
1: <laughs> Because fire is a race. They're upsetting citizens. All they want to do
0: is run bodegas, Eva. Guys. Uh, Don't hate them. It's um, a perfect movie.
2: I will say just the, the fire going up to the ceiling, collecting and then yes. sucked through the vents was extremely awesome. It's oh, so yes. well
1: done. The yes. fact that it's blue as it should be, like mm-hmm. it's propane fire. Yeah. And then like the weird surreality of like Leto is like on blue fire and yes. like rolling around is so cool. Yeah. Uh, I would not do that though. That's the point at which I'm like, open room, uh come on in, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever you want. You know.
0: Watching all the flame tests with Leto, there's the guy who's like taking through him through them and it's like they have him wearing like 87 layers and then put the gel on top and he has a ski mask, but it's not like a ski mask like this. It's like a fireproof ski mask. Mm-hmm. And then they slowly start removing the layers to get him comfortable with it being more direct, but obviously still insulated. And Leto's doing like a ton of business, and they basically have to explain to him like If you actually catch on fire, you don't really process it for a moment. Right. Like, unless your entire body is engulfed in flames immediately, you're not going to feel it in the same way. You're not going to see it in the same way until it starts to burn through. And then you fucking lose your mind. Right. Yeah. In uh, Chris in
2: Angel's Show A Mystica, which which closed last God year, he um, there's a man who just uh, one of the tricks is just a man, is lit on fire in a heavy suit with a mask, and he just walks in slow circles on stage. Now, see, I would say that's not a trick. I mean, they
0: say it is. It's a gimmick.
1: I just googled Chris Angel and Mystica. This is one of the least appealing posters for a show I have ever seen. Yeah. Every single part of it looks bad.
2: Is, is the man on fire on the poster? Oh, he
1: sure is. That's yeah. one of the better looking parts of it, though. <laughs> that actually
0: it, looks all right. Is that the perfect role for Jared Leto? Chris yes. Angel bio. Oh, oh totally. my god! But like, yes. what is this other stuff? <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. If if Jared Leto plays Chris Eng, Angel, I will personally hand him the second Oscar.
1: Tony? Oh, don't, don't you even? Don't you even?
2: That's dare. there's a contortionist and there's this guy named Mike Hammer who does kind of like uh, body uh, if uh, deeply offensive uh, comedy mm. through most of the show. Oh, good.
1: Who good. plays him?
2: Ooh. Joe Rogan. <laughs>
4: yeah. Um, just asking questions. Just would um, like to point out Chris Angel's Instagram. Related accounts number one hit Jared leto wow,
1: <laughs> Instagram's just kind of like I don't know the algorithm keeps spitting Jared leto out <laughs> um what
0: what is my camera's vibe? Who would you cast as him?
2: ooh um uh. Ooh. <sighs> Yeah, he's he's really unappealing white guy. Okay, he does a lot of anti Asian jokes. Mm. Um, he does some prop comedy. Does
1: he ever <gasps> half of LA's comedians? Does he
2: sell boner pills? He, he's he's oily and blonde. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. A
0: Maybe Mystica. Jared Little plays him. Too? Maybe he
2: plays both. Yeah, yeah, it's like Hammer and. Yeah, he plays he plays everyone. Yeah, that sounds like a good movie. Wow, that's such a good idea.
1: I'm just looking at Chris Angel. It wasn't, uh, you know, Jim Carrey played a Chris Angel type in the um, the, the Burt Wonderstone, Wonderstone. Movie, right? Like yeah. that's the joke. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't go full.
0: He was a little less. Um, what would I say? He just played the braggadocio. Uh,
1: another thing I want to say. Yeah, this is a thought. Uh, Mission Impossible: um, Dead Reckoning Part One, which uh-huh. we saw last night. Yes. At this point, will have come out months ago. Fucking owns bones. Kind of a something. David Copperfield vibe sometimes oh, to the really? costuming. yeah, Big, kind of flowy, white, button down. Yeah. You know, Pam Clementiev, however you say her name. Clementiev's yeah. character has this sort of, like, you know, very magic show-like vibe to her. It
0: The vest budget on this movie must have been insane That's and yeah. there is a lot of sleight of hand I yes and there's, there's
1: but in the first movie it is established Ethan Hunt knows sleight of hand right and so he brings that back and Haley Atwell's character in this is a pickpocket
0: and there's just a runner throughout the entire film of them like picking you know, or the... dropping things off and doing it like the transferring thing where you kind of go like on
3: camera, and
2: then
1: it's in your
0: hand.
2: Uh, so are we whatever that is? Are we pitching a Tom Cruise Copperfield movie that opens the same weekend as a Chris Angel Leto movie?
1: We're pitching a magic verse.
2: A magic verse. <sighs>
1: yes, I mean, Cruise is probably the same age as Tom, as Copperfield. They're both probably in their early sixties, right?
2: Chris, a oh, cruise? No, no, cruise. cruise. Yeah, I think I think Leto and Angel right, are the same age. Copperfield has six too.
1: years on Cruise. Okay.
2: So, so
0: Cruz you know, is Copperfield Leto is Chris Who plays Houdini Oh we're just
1: doing it all? Magical Origins I don't know Alright back to Panic Crew Okay
2: uh, Russell Crowe
1: Perfect Nailed it And he's I the Nick Fury Houdini. of the universe He's like I have sort of an idea on Houdini He's Houdini but he just ate a lot of food <laughs> Yeah <laughs> He's hungry He likes roast beef and has an accent And uh yeah Was Houdini Greek? <laughs> like no Russell I think he was <laughs> Looking <at> here <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen... I watched Pope's Exorcist. Oh, yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pope pretty good. Exor- exorcist. Pope's Exorcist. The Pope's Exorcist. Oh. Russell Crowe is like... He plays the guy who's like, I'm the exorcist. Not a lot of people like me. The Pope likes me, though. Right. He does
0: not exorcise the Pope. He is the guy the Pope calls when he needs an exorcism done to someone else, but the Pope does not appear in the
1: movie? No, the Pope... Oh, Pope's... Oh. Frank Nero plays the Pope. Oh. Oh, big, big scene. Okay. No, the idea is that there are like cardinals who are like... You must stop. You do so many exorcisms. Like, this is not the the Catholic Church doesn't want to do this anymore. And you, as the viewer, are supposed to be like,
2: he gets results, you stupid cardinals. (laughs) (laughs) That's why he's the Pope's exorcist. It's like Sully. (laughs) Yeah. And then the Pope calls him in
1: and he's like, I need you to, this is a very bad, you got to do this exorcism for me.
0: Who is the subject?
1: oh, you know, some girl who's possessed. The idea girl. of the movie, which is actually clever, is that the Spanish Inquisition happened because the devil took over the Catholic Church for a mm. bit there and started doing really bad stuff. Yeah. And so it's related to that. Yeah, and that's also what happened the other times the Catholic Church <laughs> the did bad t- shit. devil! We uh, got rid of him, though! Uh, yeah, now he's gone now. Uh, yeah, it's complete bonkers nonsense. Uh, I want to see that. It's this. pretty Sounds fun, though. Good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Russell Crowe. Again, with his taken look, yeah, The Exorcist though. He likes uh, submarine sandwiches, right? You know.
0: <laughs> do you remember that scene in Spotlight where Mark Ruffalo interviews the devil? No. What? And he's like, so, so you were behind this why, why are you
2: doing what are you do it? You're there? behind. Why you do it?
4: Why are you do it? <laughs> <laughs> you knew. And he you had, let it happen. Had a
2: pointy tail and a pitchfork. Don't do it anymore. His hopes were on fire.
3: <laughs>
1: And then Lee Schreiber's saying, this is this is good reporting. Yeah, this, is good report. this is a great interview. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Born, this is uh, a yeah. very good a little work. little pointy Van Dyke beard. Uh, this will go on this A3. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Eight, 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 eight yes. inches for this one. Yes. Um, okay, so they try and the set her woods. on fire. She sets them on fire back. Yep.
2: Oof.
0: Yeah, okay. smart. Which is, look, fight fire with fire. We all know this. Well, um, no,
4: they try to gas her out. They try to gas her out, I guess. They're not still. trying to light her they're, on fire. They're not trying is to she...
2: gaslight her either. No, no. I mean, she's
4: straight gassing her.
2: <laughs> and she's straight lighting.
4: Yeah.
1: And it is one of the, like, God bless Forrest Whitaker, who's like, I don't want to kill anyone. He is the one who starts pumping in gas. And then he's like, but not too much gas. Yeah. And I'm like, there's a pretty fine point on this. this they're was... in an enclosed space. This was a- I... Any gas going to be one of the alt takes where it
2: was his idea. <laughs> right. Right. I think
0: this was an early source of uh, tension with Fincher and Darius Kanji before uh, they finally split ways. But Fincher was like, from the moment that Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart go to sleep, I want twenty minutes of the movie to basically be pitch black, where oh, they like just no light at all. lit by the moon through windows. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. oh. Okay, and
0: everyone was like, that is too annoying, <laughs> right? Like people are gonna fucking protest, but he still did like basically say like I think if you stay dark for most of it, the audience's eyes will adjust rather than making it darker at one point and then taking cheats yeah. at other scenes and whatever. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. Uh, eventually, um, she does. She she rips out the phone lines. Mm-hmm. The the main phone line.
2: At first we first she goes and gets her cell phone, which doesn't work. right. She grabs her cell phone. It's only doesn't work. It's at that silent sequence. the only point of which is to remind her that there's a phone, right. Yeah,
1: right. It's so when they're gets, arguing downstairs, she sort of like has enough time to zip out. but does look she, she ever she
2: doesn't use the phone for anything.
1: No, but then she realizes she can plug the main phone, like the the, the the panic room phone into the main line. It's like, uh-huh.
2: phone, phone!
1: Calls her husband. Phone? What else is a phone? That's a phone! <laughs> right. Um, calls her husband and is like, you gotta come get me, I'm in the panic room! And then they, they cut the line. But lines.
2: before that, she has to yell at his new wife and go, put him on, bitch! And who
1: plays his new
0: wife? Nicole Kidman.
2: She did? Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: I think it's very funny as as a stepmom of a teenager humble brag humble brag um i think it's very funny to think like if i had to call my husband's ex-wife like, for something that I would just be like, hey, we've been kidnapped. Can you help? Like, that she has to be like, I need to talk to my husband. Put him on. Like, that she can't. She has such a bad relationship with this woman that she yes. can't be like, we have been kidnapped.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Also, I would call
4: 911. Right. Right. That would be my First telephone call.
1: call Easy right? to remember. That's the, number. Number.
2: the call she made. She does. They put her on hold.
4: They put her on hold? Correct. Yeah. Which is insane that she's like, oh, my God, I have to. Is this an emergency. Calls 911. They're like, oh, get out hold. And then she calls. <laughs> How did I miss that?
2: She calls the husband. The
4: then she, she calls the husband. When they call okay. like, what time is it? And it's kind like, of a major. Put him on. Uh, I would say plot hole. It just doesn't really make sense. I
1: mean, I could see 911 being like five seconds, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: I do think they are supposed to get to you pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, time is of the essence here <laughs> right. when you're calling 911. Um, uh, and the cell phone is trapped underneath the flipped over mattress.
1: Um. Yes, yeah. Right. No, there's the whole business where she thinks it's, we know where it is because we've right. seen it fall when she was running to the panic room, but right, she right. thinks it's in one place, She's, then she has to search under the mattress, she knocks down the light, they come, to, yes. you know, all, all these sequences are perfectly calculated. It's this thing, The
0: Fincher said, the main appeal of this movie for him was making a film where the audience could be in perfect lockstep, yeah. right? Where he can direct your eye to what you need to know, place things in your memory at certain points. Where anytime a scene is set up and a conflict is set up, you understand this is here relative to this. This is going to be the problem. This person does know this or doesn't know this. Right. Just mm-hmm. making it all as easy to map out as possible. Right.
1: Yeah. Um. This is the moment after the phone call where the group starts to split up. Mm-hmm. Whitaker is like, "I don't want to do this anymore." Oh, no, sorry, sorry. It's Jared Leto who's like, "I'm out. Forget it. Mm-hmm. Not I'll worth just." It. And that's when he says, because this is the end of Leto. Yes. He's burned up. I got a hamburger face now. He's got a hamburger face and he's like, forget it. I'll just collect my meager share of the inheritance. And then he says like 900 grand. Yeah. And that's when Dwight Yoakam and Wick are like, wait, how much is actually in there? Because that's a lot. Oh, yes. it right.
2: goes, I can't go to prison, man. I'm not built for that shit. Which
1: junior, hey. let me tell you, yep. that, um, that's probably true.
0: Right but but if that's his consolation prize right. then they're suddenly like, the stakes have gotten raised for them
1: and then it's just an incredible moment where he they're all fighting and he's like I'm out of here and then Raul shoots him in the eye yes. and he is dead
2: he does a full 360 degree spin yes. and sprays brains all over it's
1: so good yeah. it's so satisfying because one it's great escalation of tension oh mm-hmm. god Raul is as scary as we thought he could be yeah two Jared Leto is dying in such an entertaining way. Yes. What what a delight for me to yes. personally experience this with yeah. all my friends at the Odeon, the Talking hallway Odeon. Talking about
0: how much extra Jared Leto is doing in this performance, it's the kind of performance you can only get away with if you're going to die earlier in the movie than people think, right? Yeah. You can do this much where people are like, are you really going to fucking sustain this for 90 minutes? And it's like, no, nah, it's more like 30. <laughs> yeah. And was like 30, 40, 40. and i
2: And I'll die exactly when... Everyone's just so fed up with me that It'll be extremely The audience will clap
1: Yes yes. yes. Every death in this movie Him and Yoakam Yeah You're just like Yes! <laughs> thank God! Um, but yeah but and then Raul, Just don't bring Raul Raul's bad news wait, I don't,
2: wait, We don't know anything about Raul Because he's a bus driver Yeah, Flatbush In Flatbush He's not that hard He got a ski mask Yes, he got a ski mask And now he's got a million dollars His parents would be very proud
1: He has a weapon <laughs>
0: Uh, a firearm. <laughs> his father sat down on his knee one day and said, all I wish for you when I migrated here to this country <laughs> was that one day you'd have a million dollars in a ski mask of your own.
1: Um. Yes. Uh. So, Um. you know, Raul at this point. Oh, no. Right. And then right as they're shooting Jared Leto is when the husband shows up. Yeah. And he's like, what's going on? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> uh, knock, knock. And they that's when they beat the shit out of him. Yeah. And then they do the whole switch, right?
0: He's it's got... Like,
4: Nicole's gonna kill me.
0: The broken collarbone. <laughs> right. And the makeup guys on the DVD said that, like, that was a big Fincher thing that he had at some point in his life, I don't know what the circumstances know, of this... He was this playing right tackle for the Denver were, Broncos. Yeah. Was talking to someone whose collarbone had just been broken, was with them in the immediate aftermath of oh. that. And that when they were talking... On the syllables, he could see their collarbone moving up and down.
3: Yucky.
2: And it
0: is a thing that stuck with him and haunted him for so long that he was like, I'm putting that in a movie somewhere.
1: And it's here. Uh, Yeah. I mean, he is really yucky. Yeah. He doesn't just have like a black eye or whatever. No. He looks like half dead.
2: Well, he Mm -hmm. got beat up by Raul. Raul.
1: Raoul doesn't half beat someone up, I guess. Raoul's a
2: bad guy. I forget
1: Um, which makeup team it
0: was, uh, which studio it was, but they basically were talking about how they had really wanted to do Fight Club. I mean, Fincher is like so much the guy at this moment that this movie has a lot less in terms of prosthetics, but they so badly want to be in his good graces that they were just like, we're going to do everything so extreme so that we become his default guys. I don't know if it worked or not.
1: I mean, I don't either. You find out. Yeah, I mean and Button had some makeup.
2: last CGI, though. Did he?
1: Yeah.
2: I thought that was all natural. I think there's some.
0: There's some. <laughs> there's some. Yeah. Um, the Kate Blanchett, actually, that's some of the best
1: old age makeup yeah. I think in any movie ever. We'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk about it. Um, so, at this, while this is all happening, you also have, and I do think it's very clever, mm-hmm. that the movie never has the really boring scene of like, don't forget to take your insulin. Like, it's just that yeah. there's just sort of mentions of like she has her watch and
2: you see the fridge you see the fridge with her stuff in
1: it and you see the sort of like there's the moment where she's like do you feel okay like do you feel dizzy you know like she's asking her questions that feel more specific than like i don't know are you rattled by this mm-hmm. but like they never actually have the like the thing in all these movies that you're like okay well then she's gonna fucking have a problem later right where they're like, like and don't f- you know do your homework and don't forget to take your insulin and i'm like okay i'm watching a thriller an hour into this, she's going to go into diabetic shock.
2: It is like the more the way you would... It's more just about... It could be about a character that happens to be diabetic. Right. But, of course, it's a thriller, so it has to... She has, she
1: to, has to go. But that scene well, is very powerful. Whitaker scene. Well, the scene... But even the seizure scene... Yes, uh, with like the shot of her, uh, her toes clenching. Yeah, and the way that they've clearly gone through before. Ben, you don't like it. Yeah,
4: I don't like it. It makes uh, me squirm. But it's I know. And like Kristen Jody Stewart plays this
0: incredibly.
1: Kristen well. plays it really well, but yeah. Jody's saying like "be strong, be strong," you know, like it's like really tough to watch. Yes, in a very mundane way. And then yeah, You yeah, know the follow Where Whitaker does the right thing or whatever is also great. Um, but you know, I don't know. What do you guys think? If you're trying to look something, up. it was ADI who did
0: Alien Three. He didn't hire them back for Fight Club, and I think this is the last thing they did with him. I'm so sorry. That's
1: all I had to say. Okay. I,
2: I was really was, impressed okay. with all the diabetes stuff. Me too. Yeah. Um,
1: really they well, did a million takes with Kristen Stewart. Uh, like that is the Fincher thing. Like he did. Sure. They he did.
2: She had had that seizure for days.
1: I don't know about the seizure, but like he did say, like, look, we're gonna. Get, he has this whole spiel about like we're gonna get her up to Jodie Foster's level by doing lots of takes, right? Right? Like she's an, un, an inex- inexperienced actor, but like you know, that was we can just get the performance crazy. totally right. That
0: decade where everyone fucking Those wrote her off. Oh, she's oh, just she... awkward. She has all these ticks and everything. It's just like she clearly is like a very technically advanced. Actor. Yeah. she's doing things with intentionality. Mm-hmm. You do not give this performance in this movie with this director by accident. Mm-hmm. uh And that was the start of her career. It absolutely was yeah. right. What's the
1: what's the, catch that kid? When's that? That's after this, right? This it was is, her right? second film. I don't right. know She'd what she been was in. Uh, the safety of objects, before right? That. No, but Back Cats then, that you K- could release a movie called The Safety of Objects. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Catch That Kid is a year. She's also in Cold Creek Manor the year right. after this, the Mike Figgis uh, yes. thriller. Quaid and Stone. Quaid Stone. Quaid and Stone. Quaid and Stone. Quaid and Stone. Quaid and Stone something. It sounds like some like, town in Maine I'm moving to. Right. Um, and she's also in Undertow. Shout out Jamie Bell. Oh,
0: yeah. A very brief performance mm-hmm. in it, but she's good in it.
1: I love that movie. Uh, good movie. And then, yeah, uh, Zethora. Yeah. yeah. She never stopped working. She worked no. consistently all the way to Twilight, and then yes. Twilight is the breakout. Yeah. She's such a good actor. Do you like Keith One of my favorites. Oh,
2: personal shopper, man.
1: That's an yeah. amazing One movie. of the
2: fucking best.
1: It
0: really is. I love her. I think it's the Nighthawk Theater now has been using one of the text exchange with a quote-unquote ghost... Scenes in Personal Shopper as their turn off your cell phones pre-movie announcement. Right, right. So I just keep on seeing that scene over and over again. A great scene. That's wordless. That's just her texting, texting, getting freaked out and turning her phone off and putting it away. And I'm just like, man, she can fucking, like, there are few people who have that sort of technical... Precision,
1: right? They they would not be able to handle, you know. whatever she can just, just exist
0: on screen. This was the whole your fucking. While, yeah. If I can just say it for five seconds,
1: you, you said it a bunch on our twilight. I know episodes. I did, but that was paywalled.
0: That's true. When people were like, "She's just uncomfortable. She's just uncomfortable and right. awkward." I'm like, "That's not what She's it looks like when that. someone's uncomfortable on camera. That's how someone plays being awkward." Right. Which she had a better physical vocabulary for doing than almost anyone in the history. Of she movies. was
1: so good at it that people thought she was actually uncomfortable.
2: Correct. But she was just giving a take to Bella. She was like, what, what Something. Give her anything. Right. A
0: character that is designed only to be a cipher. Yeah. Bella is not the, the deepest character on the
1: page. I will I will agree with you on and that. And her decisions are confounded. What do you mean? Normal. She just wants to be a vampire.
2: And she and Pattinson both turn out to be very interesting people. Yes. They
0: sure... Look, we... Phenomenal <laughs> actors who have... Basically, tried their hardest to keep this
1: medium afloat. We're so pro both, yeah. of them, yes. Um,
0: and Jackson Rathbone, obviously the third down,
1: <laughs> right? The secret
0: sauce, the three saviors of cinema.
1: <laughs> He's the the cayenne pepper on yes. top.
2: Is he um, the werewolf? No. He's Most Taylor.
0: He is Taylor Lautner. Was uh, Taylor Jacob Lautner's over. the werewolf? Jackson Rathbone is the 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 sort of uh, Twinkie vampire in the family. There's, oh, yeah. the, there's
1: the kind of hot vampire, and then there's Kellen Lutz, who's like the the sort of big lunk.
0: Yeah. Nice. And then
1: there's uh, Ashley Green who's emo girl,
0: who can read can emotions, read emotions or something. Yeah. And nice. See the
1: future. I can't remember. Um, and is there anyone else? I guess that's the whole gang. Oh, no, there's Nikki Reed, who's mean. Yes. Her power is. <laughs> her judgment. power is, yeah, oh, the whole time she's like, I don't like you. Yeah. And you're like, all right, well, sorry. Th- at this point, everyone's moving in and out of the panic room mm-hmm. at various times, right? Uh, yeah. when-, when does what Joakim get his hand squished? It's around when they're giving her the, the drugs, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's does she throw she throws the drugs in. Right. The door smashes so the hand. The and fact, then it's just like we gotta communicate somehow. She's right. gotta let him know how to give the drugs.
1: And you have this it around like Forrest Whitaker's mm. already kind of revealed like he has a family. Yes. Right. Like he has fatherly. Yeah, it's custody. Vibes. He needs the money right. for custody This is not a, That's
2: what the Junior yelled at him.
1: This is not a man of my grade. Right. No. Uh he needs the money. Yes. Um,
0: um, the, the fact that Dwight Yoakam is wearing rubber gloves when he gets his hand caught. So rather than just having the nastier immediate impact moment of smushed finger severed. Right. You instead see the gloves slowly pool up with blood. Eww. And kind of
1: like inflate. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ooh, I'm watching it now. Ooh. Mm.
0: Can we do the little Dwight Yoakam sidebar?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Dwighty Dwight. Like what, a, do you, what do you want to say a about fascinating him? fascinating actor. He's... Uh, he's, he is, he's a good actor, I think. I think he's a very good actor. I actually don't know his music that well. I don't either. I mean, you know, he's a big country, big kind yeah. of alternative country guy, right? I feel like, you know. But like Sling Kind like, of in like the Willie Nelson mold or whatever.
0: Sling so has and, this, in, he's incredible in Sling So scary. And yeah. it has this incredibly eclectic cast right. that is clearly just people Billy Bob Thornton likes, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, And who he thinks will have. Authentic vibes. Exactly. Yes. Right. And it's just like, who the fuck is this guy? You're telling me this is not his main thing, that this is like him giving this performance kind of on a lark right. as a favor to a friend. And then I feel like he semi-selectively does
1: stuff. There he, was He was in the Newton Boys uh, yes. as one of the Newton Boys. Uh, 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 he's obviously in Logan Lucky. Well, sure. That well, you're jumping ahead. Like, okay, then take me to What else order, did he David? do? Uh, he may he's in that movie, The Minus Man, which I've never seen. The Owen Wilson serial killer. Uh, movie yeah, scary movie that has one of the best trailers of all time. Does it? Ooh.
0: Do you mm-hmm. not know this trailer?
3: Don't think
1: so.
0: The Minus Man has a trailer that is a couple walking out of seeing the Minus Man. Going. So, what did you think of the ending? And it's just them having a like before sunrise. Walk through New York City.
1: Okay. Talking
0: about, about the like movie. how
1: crazy. It? Oh, that's kind of clever. And it's
0: like time lapse, like as they walk through the park and drops right. her off her doorstep. And she's like, Don't you have to be at work? And he's like, It'll be fine. And then it cuts to a drowned person in a swimming pool with no lifeguard there. Right. And that is the trailer. It has no scenes from the movie.
2: Whoa. Right.
0: And it's it just says like the minus man, you won't stop talking about it. It's one of the greatest film trailers in history. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Um, Anyway,
1: no one talks about that movie. Um, no one does. No. But I now kind of want to watch it. Um, after Panic Room, he did help investigate a little Hollywood homicide. Okay. Apparently he's in Wedding Crashers. Well, this is the thing. I don't remember that. Vince
0: Vaughn, I believe the opening scene of Wedding Crashers is them negotiating his divorce. Because they're oh, divorced yeah, lawyers. Yeah, they're like
1: mediators. Right. That's what they are. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But he like Vince Vaughn's run of basically trying to make his own happy Madison, Dwight Yoakam becomes like his guy, who it's he always Rob has pop Schneider. up in the movies. Yes. Right. So he's also in Four Christmases. I think
1: he Weird. plays a priest. Uh yes. He's also in um Yeah, that's the that's the only really the only other big movie in here. I mean, he's in crank. He's in mm-hmm. like Three Burials of Melchiata's Estrada, which is a good movie. He's very good in that. He might be Um,
2: just a cool hang, too. He's in
1: both Cranks. I think Crank. a a cool hang,
2: and it is a lot of
1: auteur directors who bring him in. Now, he is really fun Logan Lucky, because he's the guy who's negotiating with the prisoners over the Game of Thrones Thrones book, right? But then he has not acted, and then he showed up in Cry Macho. And it was one of those classic, like, Clint, could you have given this guy one extra take to just kind of warm up up. the engine.
0: (laughs) He's not bad. (laughs) We're done. It feels like Dwight Yoakam
1: asked a PA for a cup of coffee.
0: Clint said, let's roll. He said, can we wait for the coffee?
3: He goes, no.
1: I need my turkey sub. It's lunchtime, 9.30 in the morning. (laughs) 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 It's like, Clint's done by lunch. And by the way, he eats lunch at 10 (laughs) a.m. His lunch is breakfast. (laughs) <laughs> I've been up since four. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did seven push-ups. All of
1: my movies are shot
0: at dusk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're done here.
0: Have you seen He's... Cry Macho, Eva?
2: No. It feels what like a movie a you
0: would be a little obsessed with. Okay, it's so good. I highly recommend Cry it.
2: Macho. It's a funny name. a funny
0: name. Cry it's, Macho. It's about him trying to escort a boy in his rooster <laughs> back to his father. Okay. Right. Uh, but David described it as a movie where the greatest tension in every scene is will Clint be able to make it through without taking a nap? You really are just him walking across a room is just a little stressful. There's a scene in which there he has no, the mule is the one where he has multiple threesomes. The mule has the threesomes. There's a scene in Cry Macho where you think a woman is trying to seduce him. Right. And he's sitting on a couch and you are genuinely you like, give
1: this guy coronary.
0: You are worried he is going to fall between the Cracks of the Cushion
2: <laughs> Alright I'll watch this Like Thank
0: a God. fucking TV remote the
1: thing about Cry Macho is It's a fucking 50 year old script Yes It's
0: not written For a 90 year old man No he wanted to do it When he was like 50 Playing 40 Yeah so And instead funny.
4: he made it When he was 90 you know, he was a kid
0: <laughs> Anyway Good movie no, he, Totally solid movie He's got that one monologue Where he breaks down When the kid is sleeping That's unbelievable
1: I think it's a, like It's not one of his Better movies But like it's like no. a, a pretty decent movie Yeah Considering it was directed by someone who, Also, a lot you know, of like double entendre jokes about the rooster. Ugh.
4: Yes. Why are all these kids obsessed with their cocks? <laughs> and you're like, do you need a lozenge?
1: <laughs> he does need a lozenge. <laughs> uh, have you seen The Mule? Like, have you seen
2: any of the Luke I haven't. Clint's? I haven't watched Recent Clint.
1: I would check out The Mule. The okay. Mule is really good. David loves The Mule. And is kind of more demented. Yeah. Like, and Sully's yeah. obviously the best American film of the 2010s. Right. But he's not yeah. in that one. No. He okay. should be in it, though.
0: You feel him, though. You feel. Oh. Oh, yeah, you feel. I'd say he sort of plays the role of God in that film <laughs> saving 166 souls 100% okay, um,
1: okay. panic room alright so okay they Yocam, Go on. who is amazing in this movie by the way Dwight Yocan. Phenomenal. he's great and yeah. it is the kind of like sort of whatever like surprise casting and, and that you're like guy, I can think of a thousand guys I would cast before this guy and yes. you were right to cast this guy a
0: that guy without being overexposed at this moment that when he shows up in the ski mask if you weren't paying attention in the opening credits which we should just briefly shout out opening credits that everyone oh. has ripped off. The, the most this
1: famous opening, the most famous thing about this movie is the opening credits. They're yes. so good. They're yes. very cool. The best thing about them is that you can see the other ones. That's my favorite fucking part. Like that you're looking at, the, but you can already see the next credit is floating near another oh, building, I didn't right? Know that. There's like
0: an inner Fincher logic where when it says like whatever it is, a blank production, a Pallone production, you can see the corner of Jodie Foster's name five
1: blocks away
2: in the, in the distance. Yeah, where very you're like, cool. these are all just there. The credits have always been here.
1: Yes, they're just hang. Like, then people should be able to drive around New York and be like, "There's Jodie
2: Foster, right?" Name. You should do.
0: There should
1: be a Dwight Yoakam. A panic room he, room Dwight credits bus hanging tour. over Madison in like 33rd. Yeah, yeah. that's
0: become a very hip neighborhood. <laughs> right, the Yoakam district.
2: I feel like in both this and Sling Blade, the thing that works is that Yoakam is playing a realistic sadist. Yeah, right. Like one you would actually encounter in life, right. and not, not a lot of fun movie sadist. Yes, he's enjoying things, but only. In context, and it seems like a re- he's a real type of guy.
0: There is something unnervingly kind of blank about Dwight Yoakam. And I think it is that weird, like, inscrutable cowboy Western thing where yeah, it's just sort of like,
4: like, this guy doesn't say much and he looks
0: off at the planes and whatever, <laughs> you know? And then when you project onto that, everyone pointing at him and being like, "This guy's fucking crazy," he becomes terrifying. But
1: in this movie, yeah, he's kind of a mundane psycho. That's the thing. He's not even like in it to torture people. I don't know. He's just not nice. Like he he
2: kills Jared Leto because it's time. Yeah, it's kind of time
1: for him to die, and he's annoying. And
2: they just want the money, and they're gonna get it now,
1: right? But yeah, he doesn't like savage Jared. He shoots him a couple times, right? And then like you know. He's really now so in between him getting his fingers smushed and the sort of final showdown is the arrival of Paul Schulz. Mm-hmm. And isn't that Mel, Mel Rodriguez? Who's the other cop? Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Oh, that's um, a great scene. Uh that scene is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Paul Schulz is like, you know, basically like, I don't buy that this this woman's insane story. Like something's definitely going on here. Paul mm-hmm. Schultz's
2: performance is great.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, Mel Rodriguez is the other cop. I love Mel Rodriguez. Me too. The, a a true
0: when's he bad. Is there any performance he hasn't? No, he's a really
1: reliable actor. Actually yeah, yeah, yeah. elevated no.
0: from what was given to him.
1: Um, I also, I forgot to shout out. There's the scene where they, you know, blink the lights, yeah, Morse yeah. code, mm-hmm. out the window the to the neighbor. the neighbor. The neighbor does what I would do. Forky and I agreed. We were both through this. Closed blinds. Like if I'm in New York City and someone's flashing yeah. some, I'm like, "What is this fucking light party over here?" i will you know, I'm going to sleep. I
0: don't know if I've ever told this before on the podcast. There's like, uh, like ten years ago, different apartment, different neighborhood, where I heard what sounded like a very intense domestic uh, 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 incident mm-hmm. between a couple in the building next to mine. Right, and she was literally yelling, "You're going to kill me." And I called 911, and they were so annoyed that I didn't have more information for them. Like, they were hostile. Ugh. And when they came, and I met them outside, they were like, so what are we supposed to go off of
1: here? Yeah, cops are annoying. Yeah. Uh, you know, sorry to say this. Yeah. But, uh, it, but it was really like, I'm like trying to be
0: a good jobs. Samaritan. And they're like, so what? We're supposed to just go in the building and knock on every door? And I'm like, I don't know. I heard a woman yelling she was going to
1: die. I don't think anyone died. Um, Andrew Kevin Walker, the yeah. writer of Seven, plays the sleepy neighbor.
2: That's oh, fun! That's nice. He closes the blinds. Sure. Uh, anyway, Wait, he just wrote something new. What did he, he did. What did I he just write? No, I don't know. No, 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 no. Yeah, something that just came out. A great tweet. Something coming out.
0: <laughs> he wrote a great tweet.
2: Something uh, I was excited about that he I wrote. Found... The
0: killer. He wrote the oh, new baby adventure coming out. Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm re I just reading that book right now, and I was excited, and then I was like,
1: hmm. He wrote that movie Windfall. What's no, that? No, he didn't. No, he did. Uh, the one, it came out last year. It was the new Charlie McDowell movie with Jason Segel and Lily Collins. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, like, no one saw. Because it was, like, one of those Netflix just, Filmed like, on yeah. at
2: Jason Segel's house. Was um, it really? Yeah. The Killer is a really good, scary graphic novel. Oh, yeah. It's going to be... A, it's a really cool thing to adapt. I'm excited for that. Oh, he
0: wrote the Bad Robot... The Bad Robot. Love Death and Robots episode that Weiger loves so much, too. Okay. That Fincher directed. All right. Uh, he was yes, just telling did. us to yes, watch that last night. Yeah.
2: Sorry, sorry.
1: Uh, I, I, even never apologize. Okay. Never apologize. I would
2: apologize.
1: Never. Even if, yeah, you know, you're in a panic room. No. What do you make of the scene with Schultz, though? Like, do you think she signals anything to him and that's why he's there at the end? Or is he just kind of like, this is too fishy? She doesn't do the blinky thing. No. I think, I think it's too fishy. It's too fishy. Yeah. But I she, think it's something didn't line up. Yeah.
2: She very clearly, she does her best to send them away.
1: She does her best you're to watching send them her away.
2: Capital A acting yeah. as her character. What if her character, who's not a good actor, no. had to act this is right. no
1: Jodie Foster. And she has to do this whole thing I'm like, well, what you know, what I was trying to say on that phone call was, you know, I want to have sex with them. Yeah, you know, what right?
4: are the three things? The three things? She says she oh, right, there are
2: three Shepherd. Oh, yeah, there
4: are right three, at the number right. three. you right. come over things. here, I'll do three things. Right. Kiss. Kiss. Hug. Love and rub
2: kiss kiss forehead
1: <laughs> kiss forehead kiss forehead hug shoulders Eskimo and kiss and shake hands it's all just different types of kiss
3: yeah. <laughs> Face
1: bump There's three things I want to do play Mario Kart yeah. play Mario Tennis yeah. <laughs> play Mario Party she's got an N64 she can do them all um, that's so... what it would be
2: she have, have a game system in the panic room
1: uh, oh yeah, that, yes, yes. yes. Big a Super mystery. Nintendo. We're yes. just yes. like, you know what? I'm really gonna dig into like Zelda right now. Right. What
2: if then you can turn all the screens that are usually watching bad guys into just a party watching, playing games, I or, or really... watch
0: DreamWorks the bad guys. Well, that's <laughs> our pleasing. It's head. not out yet. <laughs> in 2002
2: you could turn all your TVs into (laughs) TVs like Elvis yeah
0: sure it'd be a minor plot (laughs) hole if she had a copy of a movie from 20 years later (laughs)
1: people might uh, might have might be a logic bump yeah exactly or what if they were like we're finally making a full version of the movie that Jodie Foster watched uh, in Panic Room yeah that's what the bad guys for Sure.
0: It would be funny if it was like it's it's this old man's panic room. Also his VHS collection. It's like Exodus. <laughs> right. It's really boring Bring right. a
1: Dune. Right. It's kinda of like kind oh, of boring movies. Debbie <laughs> does
2: Dallas. Right. Oh, yeah. oh dear.
1: Yeah. They find his his dirty <laughs> Yeah, tips. right, right. It's underneath the main <laughs> videos. Right. There's a secret. There's yeah. a panic room for the porn. Yeah. A bunch of <laughs> uh, National Geographic. And
2: when you so... reach in for it, it cuts off your fingers. <laughs>
1: All right. So at this point, I guess what's happening is she's downstairs. Uh The robbers, the burglars are in the panic room with recovering Kristen Stewart. Mm -hmm. Forrest is drilling into the safe. Yes. He finds the bonds. This isn't the pillow drill moment, is it?
0: The what moment? There's the moment where they use the pillow to insulate the drill. I guess that's when they're trying to get into the room.
1: That's earlier. Because later, he's right? When he drills, he just drills.
2: He just full on does a... A safe crack.
1: Yeah. Right. There's that great, very Finchery shot of the like zoomed in lock yes. where you watch him like tick every uh, yeah. chamber to the right, you know, right? Like that's very Finchery. Yeah.
0: I just love the image of of holding the pillow up between the wall and the drill and the feathers just flying everywhere.
1: Um. Well, right. Well, no, because that's earlier. Because that's yeah. how he shows you the airflow right, coming right. in with the feathers going out of. There's the that vent. stuff
0: I love where you have like inanimate objects behave almost like objects in a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Right. It's the same thing with the propane tank, the way it's sort of oh, spinning
2: yeah, around. Oh yeah, that's scary. Yeah. Um. At this point, once they get the bonds, they could just go right. Like everyone could, we could, we all shake hands and just split.
1: Right, because he, yeah. And now I'm trying to remember the timing of the tapes. But at that point he knows there's no tapes. But I guess mm-hmm. Raul is just like they can't live. They've seen my face. Yeah. Like that's right. what the, the, the problem on. is Raul. The problem um, is Raul. Because
2: if everyone was just being like Forrest Whitaker, who has his name tag on his jumpsuit? Yeah. His real name? Well,
1: yeah, he's an honorable man. Yeah, this was the big uh, uh, question. You want to call to? Why
2: did he wear his jumpsuit with the name tag if he was breaking into a house? Well, he thought no one was going to be
1: there, and he Uh, wanted to wear his special jumpsuit.
2: Nevertheless,
1: he was gonna
0: just drop off a business card on the
4: way out. It's like buy a new pair of coveralls. Don't wear the ones. Get some crime coveralls. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. you're about to become a millionaire.
2: Why wear a mask if you're also gonna wear your name tag? I don't know. He also
4: has his
1: full uh, birth certificate tattooed on his back. He does. He does. (laughs) Right, right, right. And he does um, leave a copy, you know. He takes a (laughs) (laughs) photo. He he tells his
2: social security number (laughs) on the way out.
1: (laughs) Oh, just in case they need it. Um, No, look, look, the big moment that you're just looking forward to, Mm -hmm. I feel like, is you're like, how is Raul going to get it? Right. And the the sort of complex physical arrangement that leads to Raul is holding Kristen Stewart. Mm Mm-hmm hostage mm-hmm. uh, pa- Patrick Pacquiao you know the dad is like sitting in his like chair gun pose where he's sort of like trying to he's so fucked up yes. <laughs> he's trying to just kind of like eh, come on I can get you and Faris Whitaker is basically trying to be like just let her go let's get out of here and then you see Jodie Foster come out of the elevator with the hammer Yeah, and Kristen Stewart spots her right and like and she's like go down and she just fucking I mean, hammered mean, ha- it's a sledgehammer yeah a sledgehammer. yeah and it's the most Peter satisfying Gallagher, hammer sure. to the face.
0: Gallagher. And I combined Peter Gabriel and Gallagher.
2: But he's still alive. Two
0: sledgehammers, uh, and I ended up with the guy who's got two fucking sledgehammers over his he eyeballs. Sure does. But yeah,
4: but he goes over the railing and yes. down a flight of stairs like it's a nasty fall. So
1: satisfying. What yeah. if I told you there's a movie where you just. We'll stand up and cheer when Dwight Yoakam gets a sledgehammer I'm to them fix. I mean, Eva, you brought up Buscemi and Fargo,
0: right? Mm-hmm. But I'm realizing how much wisely it does feel like they're sort of using the model of Buscemi and Stomare mm-hmm. in Fargo. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, here's the funny guy, right? Yeah. He's scary, but he's funny. And here's the kind of like inscrutable guy next to him. That guy, the funny guy, is going to get plucked off, and you're going to realize that the other guy is genuinely, like, horrifying. Yeah. And you need the cathartic, you know,
1: takedown. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. He is still alive, as you mm-hmm. pointed out. He does have to have one more final, you know, God. We thought we got him, but he's back. Yeah. Because that's when... Uh, Whitaker has run away and Whitaker has the moment of conscience to return.
2: Kristen Stewart also stabs him with all the insulin.
1: She does. She, yeah. just,
4: <laughs> just, rah,
2: rah, rah, she just porcupines uh, rah, rah, him with insulin.
1: Uh, which is a great move. Uh, she's holding I'm she's holding three you. syringes yes. in her hand. She should have wolverined it. She should have put them in between. <laughs> do this. Like, do like a... Yeah. Uh, that's, how, that's
2: how they tell women to walk down the street in New York. Yes, with With, your with, all, the, with all their insulin between their fingers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if someone walks you just go... <laughs> yeah.
0: She should have put, this is what I think she should have done. I think this would have fit in the
1: reality of the mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm. Right. After she watches the bad guys. Three syringes. She should watch the bad guys and go, it's not bad. Yeah. C plus. I, think I think it's a movie
2: 20 years in the future and it was just like, all right. It's okay. This is where we're headed? Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah. This is sort of like at the top.
3: It's kind like of pretty good. Third of this things is, getting released you by know, major didn't studios. Get an
0: Oscar nomination is probably the first one dropped. Three syringes. First one drop. Three syringes in between the knuckles, right? Yeah. And then she should go to Jodie Foster and sort of like nod her head, and Jodie Foster should go fastball special, and then she should pick up Kristen Stewart right. with one hand, throw her, throw her at Dwight Yoakam. That, that's that's that's. And the she move.
2: she's like a human cannonball, but her arms are outstretched. She's yeah. flying. Yeah. Right. And she like And they're like
0: speed lines behind her. <laughs> right.
2: And she just goes straight into him and boom. She's like, she's perfectly she's like planked she out. Stays planked. Yeah.
0: She's vibrating. And his eyes right. cross. Yes. Yeah. Right. And also she hits him in the nuts. Yeah. We have a cut dimension, of course, in my version. And the butt. And the butt. Somehow. It's <laughs> one hand under. Yeah. Right? She's sort of arcing around bing, underneath ding. the gooch. Yeah. Um, I don't know, that's what I would have done if I had directed this, but I, I guess think, it's okay that Fincher did I mean
1: Fincher made his own choices and I know he's embarrassed by them now and he <laughs> yeah, wishes he had done he that. <laughs> um and uh yes, uh yeah, uh Yoakum is finally dispatched by Forrest Whitaker yeah. in a in a moment of morality,
0: right? right? And Whitaker has his uh, uh eventual why well, I'm jumping ahead of him all, but the, 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 the killer moment.
1: the killing moment. Yes. Standing in the breeze. with the, he's That's basically next. They're going to shoot
2: him if he doesn't drop what he's holding, which is all the money.
1: All yes. the money and it's just floating around. Him. Yeah. So good. I love that. I always I, want I that. Just it's like it, it was meaningless. All of this was meaningless. You were right. never going to get this. It's right, just and could of paper. Yeah. could have, but you know what? He was never going to. He shouldn't have done it. No, if he should have.
2: He, he could have gone away, but he went back for Yokum, is what you're saying, Ben.
4: Well, he, yeah, he went he went back to, to save, save the family.
2: Save family He
4: had a conscience
2: Yeah, he's a good guy Every time he Ben watches
0: a, a movie like this He is convinced that he would uh, get away with it And that it would work And that if the movie were about him It would end with him owning well, an island Well,
2: things would have gone a lot different
4: Yeah, yeah I mean, I would have announced I've got the stuff I need, guys yeah. Let's talk about it Right Right. Everyone come out. Let's figure yes. it out. Family want a movie where
2: everyone just lays their cards on the table and then they figure out how to get out of the movie with, like, no problems. Yeah.
1: Right. I'll leave a couple for you. You let me take the rest. Someone will one day make a crime movie like that, where it just ends with everyone being like, guys, we can talk this out. Yeah.
3: It'll how be much a, money do
1: you want? Ben Hosley joint. <laughs> it'll be written, directed by Ben Hosley. Um, I
2: do, a like, in writer's room, sometimes I do an exercise where I make people be like, what would happen if at this point everyone was just like, what... Here's everything I know. Right, and the other person was like, "Here's every single thing I know," and everyone just like sat down and said it. Like, what, what would happen? Because it can it's be frustrating
1: can. on TV where you're like, "Stop, actually yelling at each other. Actually, right. just have a conversation. You'll yeah. sort this out quickly." Mean, no
2: half. Each know half of one thing.
1: Lost, of course, the most famous example. Oh, that, where anytime Jack had like Ben. Yeah. And he'd be like, What's going on? And then the question is like, the question is, how is it going on? And I'm like, No, 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 no. No no, is, no, 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 because no, the no. When did, when did
2: and you, until you tell yes. me yes. what's going on. How do
1: your boats work? What is the yeah. smoke monster? Why is this place magic?
2: We're just gonna I'm not gonna let you go.
1: Yeah, but Ben was just always so good at being like, oh, no, no, "You'll no, no, kill no. me." That's, That's not fuck. the question, Jack. Yeah. I think it's one of the questions. Yes.
0: Yeah. Ben was also like he was like a fucking panic room camera. Like he was going through air ducts and sliding oh, he in was between ski holes.
1: God yeah. bless him. Hey, a little yeah. weasel. He was a great weasel. Um, we love Ben Linus. I love the final decompressing ending of this movie. Them on the park bench in Central Park, New real estate listing, looking at the real estate listings for yeah. so like smaller, no panic rooms,
0: and, and it um, feels very much. Much like a Hitchcocky, just like, yes. like, just get out quickly. Yes, you I don't wish, need a whole wrap up.
2: I wish they'd pulled out though, and then on the back of the paper they're reading, it just said, uh, Forrest Whitaker dies in prison,
1: <laughs> something like that.
2: Yeah, Forrest Whitaker's character dies in family
1: prison. family cheers as it learns <laughs> of idiot grandson's death, yeah. like, in a, like in a picture of Jared Leto. Yeah,
2: and I was like, are they gonna go to the court and be like, hey, he did save us, or give I him mean, a break? He's probably going to go to jail.
1: If this character or or whatever he's committed various crimes, there would be
0: an eight-hour Netflix documentary about him.
2: But then maybe she goes to. They both go and they're like, maybe She's like, hey,
0: look, he helped us out at the end. He
2: saved us. Maybe you give him a break.
0: Yeah, he saved my daughter's life. Um, You you were you were saying you had a take or or uh, a read on this movie and sort of what Fincher's.
2: Oh no! My my entire take was just about um, Jared Leto being extra
0: okay oh look an evergreen take
2: i was just like this is the first he felt empowered right mm-hmm. to be a little freak but he also has vanity mm-hmm. so he always has to be beautiful even now except yes. for i guess this one mark david chapman time and that did not go well
0: no yeah. it didn't go well. it's the one time he didn't allow himself to be at least somewhat hot
2: yeah exactly but yeah. he's still kind of hot i don't know I think he is. I think he's a an actor whose beauty will always um, be a a great stone on his back. Look, but I, I don't want to
1: speak or mean about him. I don't want to speak ill of the Speak letter. ill of him. Yeah, but he is not. He wants to be a movie star and he never will be. And no. he wants to be a great actor and he never will be. I'm sorry, Jared He can Leto. be. He can be an interesting addition to a film, unbelievably well. Yes. And I like him in House of Gucci. Like some people are like, I think fuck that's off. a terrible performance, right. I I, yeah. I don't mind. And one yeah. of the only other times he hasn't been hot. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. He's he, gone I, out of his way I to like
2: do That hockey. just felt like Tom Cruise in like that, uh, in well, Tropic, like, Thumb Tropic Thumb. Thunder. Absolutely. Like, isn't yeah. it so funny how I'm in a fat suit? Yes. Me, the most beautiful, thin man. It's like, yeah. Well, then I if Tom Cruise
0: gave the exact same performance in Tropic Thunder without the makeup, I would think it was good. Yeah, I, is, the makeup makes it
1: worse for me. He, wait, wait. Here's the challenge. What is your favorite Jared Leto film performance? I say film because if it's TV, it kind of gets too easy. It's this, I think. Is it this? It,
2: for me, Requiem.
1: He's pretty good in Requiem for yeah. a Dream. He's not to me the standout of that movie, but he sort I'm of does. I think if
3: there's something I like what
1: is more needed. than this, but I'm like this. Is so he help. did play El Joker once. Ugh, I don't know if you knew this.
0: He played him twice, my friend.
1: Well, sure. That other.
3: Justice was, uh, is gray that I had a, a pretty... real
2: moment When I was watching Blade Runner The new one And mm-hmm. that scene When he finally shows up And Blade Runner's already been going yeah. On a long time And you're like Only one person In this scene Has an Oscar
3: Yeah Right And it's right. And, it, like, and it's like
2: Harrison Ford is here Yeah Ryan Gosling is here Everyone's here And Leto is the one With an Oscar And I, I was like That's weird I That think, should not be happening I think
1: he's fine In that movie yeah. But obviously He's sort of being used I mean he did play A, a, a guy with some Very interesting ideas once The Joker
2: well, no, a doctor, but Michael he was, yeah, he was a little outside the medical
1: yeah. community. Yeah. Uh, he makes night calls. This guy,
2: <laughs> he is actually very funny, and we crashed. <laughs> That is like a a good I comic like, performance. I feel
1: like people were largely positive on him in that. Yeah, in that show, he's funny.
2: Right? He's just super yeah. funny. I
3: think he is
0: infinitely better at comedy than he is at drama. Right. Which is even a if weird he doesn't know misunderstanding it. and something like Blade Runner. I'm like, don't let him take this seriously.
1: This is what I don't want him doing. None of us are saying the Oscar winning performance he gave in Dallas Buyers Club. I'm just going to point out.
2: Remind me to tell you something after. Great. Absolutely. Can't wait to hear
1: Can't that. Can't wait to hear that. <laughs> we should wrap uh, up the episode. <laughs> I,
0: don't, I don't think he's bad at Dallas no, Buyers Club. I just care nothing about that movie. It felt like a very sort of it like showy. Very, it's got a pretty
2: form. good Griffin Dunn performance. And otherwise, Griffin, I think it's well, kind of like bleh. great.
0: I think Jennifer Garner's kind of great in it, but I know that's more controversial opinion. I forgot she was in it. Yeah, Leto
3: has
2: the
0: one scene with the father that I think is incredibly good, Uh and the rest of the movie I'm just like, this is just a lot. Probably too busy. You're
1: showing your homework, staring at Forky. That's the only time I
2: ever saw it. I'm on a smoking date with with a hot.
1: Apparently,
0: I didn't go see fucking Dallas Buyers Club in theaters enough because here I am, fucking ten years later, unmarried. That's the key. (laughs) I
3: guess. (laughs) Wait,
0: is that how you met your husband as well?
2: No, I did go on a, a a date once though, where a guy invited me to a double feature of M and *Night of the Hunter*. Oh wow! And we got to the Chill movie, movies. and I was like, oh, it's funny that you picked this because of the subject matter." And he was like, "What?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he, come, come with *Child
2: Burner* double bills. Yeah, yeah. He didn't know, and mm-hmm. then we just and then we quietly walked to our cars at okay. the end.
1: If he had
0: owned it,
2: he didn't know. He had no yeah. idea. Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Poor guy. Let's play a box office game unless there's anything else you want to say about David Fincher.
2: Oh, my my, my take on Panic Room? Mm -hmm. It's fine. Yeah. It's perfectly fine.
0: I think it rules. I think think it's it's great. I think it's a great director showcase movie, right? I think this is this moment in his career where it's like Fight Club is a huge text. As you said, it's about everything, right? Mm -hmm. Seven is this kind of like perfect screenplay. And then it's like Game and This are like... This could be a just sort of standard B programmer, and I'm elevating it by, like, really good movie stars and impeccable craft. And I think later when he gets to what I'd call his uh, airport paperback thriller phase, right? Sure, Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl. Girl, yeah. I think he understands how to, like, deepen the text and make more there versus it just being craft.
1: I think this is a deep movie. I do. Then give me, give me some more. Just to read. And the thing we now. I'm tired of the, end of the episode. <laughs> this is your job. <laughs> Who is it? How long have we been going? It's three o'clock. What, the divorce. Thing? Yes, I just think it's a very good, like you know, like to to. Yes, it's a well-oiled yeah. thriller. It's a right? parent. It gives you exactly. But yes, like a movie about feeling completely adrift in parenting, I, and like yeah. the transformational experience of the crime, like you know, and the, how she comes out the other side without it being like. The Brave One, for example, like some yes. kind of like dime store thrillery, like what, what what's the high thread count thriller where it right. feels like a little too self-important about like, oh, you know. Right. Flight Plan is all fluff plan. nonsense exactly. and
0: Brave One is too rooted in reality. And this is sort of the the
1: midpoint between um, the like, two. I just truly feel like their relationship, which I barely know anything about, yeah. has, has advanced so powerfully by the, you know, when you get that final scene. Yeah. I, but it's, with, everyone's yeah. a good
2: actor. I agree.
0: I just love Jodie Foster, and she's I like a person. As as we're saying, it feels like re- this movie should have been designed for her because it's like right. this is the exact kind of thing that she can sell in it's a just, way
1: that so few people. There can. is nothing about this movie that suggests what a nightmare it was to make no. it,
0: and and how it feels like, like a
1: well disjointed, and right. backwards. Its whole process right.
0: was. It's like my word for this movie is just like tight. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, short too. Yeah, it's pretty short. Yeah, and look, also just like a, a real—they don't make them like this anymore—kind of movie where you're like, this was forty-eight million dollars, came out in March, it made a hair under a hundred. Yep. It was a fucking worldwide. like TNT, like MVP movie. Yep. Like a classic TV remote drop, sort of what you're describing. Forky walking in the room. I'll never not want to watch Panic Room. Kind um, of feel, but like, but done
1: with like the highest level of craft and thought. Uh Sony wanted to make it a PG 13 movie and Fincher had final cut and refused. Wow. Okay. But it makes sense because Sony probably was like, this is a few cuts away from being a PG-13. Yeah. Like you did bring the blood down a little bit, you cut a couple fucks and we you're, play you're a, there.
0: We play the daughter in the advertising. It becomes a movie that
1: kids can go see. Right, right. Uh, and he was like, no. Yeah. Um adjust the brightness. <laughs> Fincher was really mad at how Sony marketed the movie. Interesting. Uh, he was basically like, uh, don't market it on my name, you know, which is what they were kind of like from the director of Fight Club and Seven. You know what I uh-huh. mean? He was like, "I this is, movie is made for people who went, go to see like Kiss the Girls and the Bone Collector. Like I am trying to make a popcorn movie. Interesting. Yeah. Like, you know, don't advertise this like a prestige movie, especially in March. Yeah. And now the movie did well, so yeah. I, like, it's, I don't think anyone really comes out of that looking stupid, no. but I sort of get what he means of like, I'm like, he has this whole thing where he keeps being like, I mean, there's movies and films and this is a yeah. movie, you know, and like, that was this thing about Darius Kanji where he's like, Darius Kanji makes films, you know, and I was making right. a movie. Right, but uh, and like you know, I'm like, I think he when I interviewed him, he said shit like that, you know. And you're kind of like, I know what you mean, but also like at the end of the day, it's all movies, it's all films, right? I just right, remember, you know?
0: like walking out this movie to my mom and going like, so like, forrest Whitaker gets nominated for Best Supporting Actor, right? And her having explained to me, it's March,
1: it's March. Like this movie's
0: getting ignored. It's like, a year from now, yeah. And
1: I was like, doesn't it happen sometimes? If Maybe like, if it made double what
0: it made, like right. if it was a phenomenon. If it's Silence right. of the Lambs, yeah, sounds like yeah, right. But but she was just like no, it doesn't matter if people are. And I was like, well, but cinematography. Now she was this like,
1: movie would get Oscar nominations now because it would. there's four there's movies for adults every, and, every, exactly. every year. Exactly right. right. Um, and, but and the then, fact that it was profitable and right, They'd well like, made. Oh my enough. god, we worship the earth you walk on. Right, March twenty ninth, two thousand and two. Griffin,
3: 30,
1: March, $30 million dollar opening weekend. Solid. Ben just is sending us pictures of Jared Leto's cornrows. I'm not joking. <laughs> he's wearing wraparound sunglasses as well. It's really a and he's of Jared the premier Shrek
4: at the Premiere Shrek 2001. Makes sense. Oh I mean, he's shooting
1: Panic. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you could just hear it behind him. And I know when he when he became the Joker, he wanted his hair to be Shrek green. Yeah, he wanted the ears. Um, <laughs> panic number one, number two, Griffin. Yeah, dropping from number one. Okay. Oh Mark. no, I'm sorry. It's drop. It was at number two last week. Oh. It's an animated film. It's Stand holding well. Two. It's made 116 million Ice dollars. Ice Age. It was a big titted hit, and it you didn't have fucking. It was a woolly mammoth
0: sized hit. There were not many blockbusters coming out in March in 2002. Number three,
1: yeah, a heartwarming true story Disney family film. Uh, New this week. The Rookie? The Rookie. Yeah.
2: Dennis Quaid can throw that ball. This is just... This is your prime. You're seeing everything in the theater. This this movie,
1: I think The Rookie is a great movie. Yeah.
2: And
0: I'll say this too. It was like... uh, i I maybe said this before. My birthday is in February. Mm -hmm. And I would often just do let's all go see a movie birthdays because that's the only thing I fucking like doing. And, like, February, just absolute graveyard for most of my childhood. A lot of
1: Oscar holdovers, yeah.
0: 2002 was the year that I went, fuck it. I'm waiting until Spider-Man comes out in March. Mm. And I had my birthday party so many months later where people were confused. Mm. But it was like I was tracking every other movie coming out between February and May being like, is anything more exciting
1: than Spider-Man? Yeah, May, not March. You said March.
2: You, you Between
1: May. February and May, you said March. Yeah, you said March. Well, I'm sorry. Well,
2: I'm just the listener. I'm Call me clever. the March
1: hair. I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. I got March on the mind. The rookie is great. Have you seen the rookie?
2: Um, is it, is it with Tony Danza? No, it's not Angels in the outfield.
1: Right, this Angels in the
0: outfield or the garbage picking field goal, field. Where goal is the rookie? Philadelphia phenomenon.
1: Dennis Quaid plays a real guy who is like when he was like in his late thirties. Uh, he had washed out of baseball many years ago. Never really made it, mm-hmm. but he was discovered, and he was like a guy who could throw a ninety-eight mile an hour fastball. And they were like, "That is enough for you to actually play in the major leagues." Brian Cox is his dad, who never yeah. said
0: "I love you," right. right? Yeah, that
2: sounds fun. Fuck yeah, off! I, I Go this... play baseball
4: for the Rays.
2: What do I care? Commercial. Um,
1: you
0: make and me sound it's like Rupert Murdoch.
4: <laughs> well,
2: he was playing well, Rupert Murdoch no, until he right. Sorry, years.
1: yeah. Um, and uh, it's got this great scene where he's testing his yeah. fastball by one of the speed radars on uh, the highway. Sure. And like, it's so good. And it's, it's a really nice scene. That anyway. was
0: a real uh, little shit movie for me where my whole family wanted to go see it. And I was so angry about, I don't want to see a sports movie that right. I sat there with my arms crossed. I'm going, I don't like it. Uh-huh. But it's good though. I'm sure it is. Now you would appreciate that. No, I definitely like will.
1: Absolutely. Heartwarming. All right. Now dropping from number four, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, dropping from number one to number four, uh, comic book film, sequel. Great.
0: It's a film that David loves. Yes. It's a great film. It's a comic yeah, do book Do it film. on this
1: podcast one
0: day. Two thousand two. It's Blade two. Blade dos. Blade dos. Blade film of all time. fang fang, as the poster stylized yep. it. The, the numerals were fangs.
4: That's a good marketing
1: idea. Fang fang. Number five. Family film. You could have seen this one. I probably did. Right. Opening to a soft ten million dollars. Mm. Uh, from Jonathan Frakes, the great director of many Star Trek movies. Clockstoppers, which I did not see in theaters, but I had the watch. In which they can freeze time with yes. their watch. Yeah.
2: Frakes got to direct a movie? Well, he Several.
1: directed two Star Trek movies in a row. Okay. First Contact and Insurrection. Oh, okay. And off of that, he got to make Clockstoppers and Thunderbirds. Right. And nice. Thunderbirds was such a disaster that he has been in
0: movie jail for 20 years. And, and just seems... makes Star Trek.
1: Yeah. He, he makes a lot of, like, TV. Yeah. Yeah. Still beloved, I think he's the most beloved working Star Trek director. Everybody like speaks so highly of him in that world. Yeah, but he like gets it. I think sure part of the thing they put gets it in quotes. Well, I think he does. He gets it. Uh, Number six, E. T. the Extraterrestrial. Heard of it? Back in theaters. I saw this. Which Spielberg regrets the walkie-talkie cut
2: and also the bubbles cut.
0: Yes, bubbles the monkey. No, he he's like, there?
2: they give E.T. a bath.
1: Yeah. Oh, right. That's like the added scene.
2: And he blows bubbles. And he's
1: fully CGI.
2: It's horrible. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Eva, you look sort of despairing. I was just thinking about
2: how <laughs> I, saw this in the, I saw this at the at a discount theater by USC. Mm-hmm. And I was my friend and I were the only ones in the theater at 9 a.m. And some really old ladies came in and watched for a while. And it was that scene. Yeah. And then they turned to us and yelled, is this monster's ball? <laughs> <laughs>
0: And you were like, yes! <laughs> to be fair, if you knew the title and nothing else,
3: you wouldn't be wrong saying, shaped.
2: this
1: monster's having a ball. <laughs> Splish splash.
2: <laughs> it was great.
1: Uh, Beautiful Mind is still hanging out. Huge. We Were Soldiers is still hanging out. Uh-huh. Uh, Eddie Murphy Flop Showtime is yeah. still hanging out with yeah. Robert De Niro. A movie that
0: AV Club referred to, I think about this line all the time, a, a matchup made in R rated comedy heaven. Unfortunately, this movie is PG 13.
2: Oh, no. Good call.
0: Right. But, that's but I was like, problem. right, you've nailed it. It should be De Niro and Eddie Murphy cursing at each other. Right. For it two should hours.
1: be 48 hours meets midnight run. Yes. And instead, it's like, it hey, should be you very jerk. violent. They should not stop calling <laughs> each other slurs.
3: Uh,
1: but also, opening this week, a yeah. huge bomb that we may well cover on this podcast one day mm-hmm. Death to Smoochie. Yeah, oh. I
0: think Danny DeVito's sure. Death to
1: Smoochie, right?
0: Danny DeVito, short series for a little man as Sarah Rubin pitched it. I think we could get him in, too. You think we could get him in studio? He does press. Sure. Let's have him guess on something else. Does he like uh, Zodiac?
2: Ah. <laughs> you have to make sure he has Limoncello.
0: <laughs> oh. oh, get him real fast. That in a Jersey Mike sub.
2: Okay. There, and, uh, we'll there ask him
0: are, what he thinks of uh, Scalia. What? There are a few people I would like to get drunk with more than Danny DeVito. It's not like Probably that, would be the fun. number one guy I'd like if you could have dinner with any person living or dead. But if it's specifically like, who do you want to get drunk
1: with? Well, you love taxi, too. You'd want some oh, stories. Louis De Palma. Are you a taxi fan? I am. No. Okay. Do you like um, the, the mode of transportation? I do. I you took like
2: one camps? last night. Hey, hailed. Hey, uh, airport okay okay walked sure. uh, in still counts
1: yeah what were you
0: gonna say sorry
2: i was just i like i love danny devito
0: he's incredible i i i highly recommend giving giving taxi a spin around the block
2: my mom uh, met him at that time and said he was a, a beautiful man and like very very beautiful in person he had beautiful eyes Look, hmm.
0: it, it is that thing of, like, any working uh, character actor is, who is, quote-unquote, funny-looking. Attractive. If you see them in person, you're Striking. like, well, right, they right. belong on screen for a reason. They're
2: wildly attractive. Even if
0: they are unconventionally attractive, no. there is an undeniable magnetic quality. Yeah. Uh, he's he's kind of hot in Taxi. Me? Hmm? Louis de Palma.
1: Who's the hottest? Hirsch?
3: Uh, Danza I guess Danza is super well, cute punk, right?
0: not, We're talking only the guy Because obviously my answer is Carol Kane
1: mm-hmm. You know she's on uh, Star Trek now Really? Playing yeah. what? The, she's the new character on Strange New Worlds. She's playing She's like Laca's the, the wife new engineer. From <laughs> from <laughs> yeah, yes. She's doing a voice. Yeah. She's doing like a weird accent. Uh, I do
2: love the theme from Taxi.
1: It's oh, the best. I walked so down the aisle to it.
2: Do you really? Yeah. And you're not a Taxi fan? Well, it's just a good, it's a, it's a Bob James song, Angela. Yes. It's just a great song. Do you know the story behind that? No.
1: Wait, we gotta stop the fight. He wrote a yeah. theme song that we was do. more upbeat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then in episode two
0: there was a sad scene and they added, asked him to write an instrumental track for that
2: and that became it and he was
0: like Fincher that's the fucking is gonna thing gonna be so, so long, long. Oh. yeah it is baby much like Fincher movies it's all the special features mm-hmm. yeah
1: sorry ben, guys <laughs> Ben is so heavy-lidded not your fault
0: ben, ben took a big swing on a bit
4: and it didn't work
2: I like the bit,
1: but now it's in bit heaven, Ben. Like we'll talk about it all the time. We will talk it's about it all of the our, time. Our most famous flop bit. I
0: think you can <laughs> cut it down, but I think you have to leave the remnants <laughs> in because it's now like it matches the aborted footage from Panic Room. It matches the stop and start.
2: It's like production it's, it's of the, the movie. It's the Nicole Kidman. Yes, scenes. It's the sweater
4: right. scenes. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the sweater scenes.
4: Yeah, we'll keep it all in. It's gonna be great. People yeah. are gonna love it. They're gonna love it. Uh, Let's do the credits. Eva, anything you want to plug?
2: Um, um, I'm on strike right now. Uh, The Entertainment Community Fund is uh, giving money to people who got put out of work by the Writers Guild strike. Uh, The crew members, not Writers Guild. Um, So please donate there if you want to help out uh, the strike.
0: Incredible plug. Yep. David, anything you want to plug?
1: Uh, I have to go pick up my mom... Going to see Sweeney Todd tonight. I, so uh, you going not tomorrow. Standing I mean, in solidarity I, with the Writers Guild, it sounds I've like. I've already seen it. Not yeah. to brag. I can't no, wait. I'm taking my wife. Um, Who do you see it with the first time? Joey. Your brother. See, Joey gets the free tickets. Yeah. So sometimes he'll be like, You want a ticket to Sweeney Todd? And I'm like, That's going to be the best seat in the house because he gets the press tickets. But does he say it like that? Huh? Does he say it like that? Do you want to, get, do you want to go see Sweeney Todd? Or no. he says, Attend the Tail on Sweeney Sweeney. Sweeney. Sweeney? Sweeney. Right. Uh, he just thanks. he just calls me up and I'm like, Shweeney. hey Joey, what's up? Yeah. Come on, you
4: bleeders.
0: Eva, thank you for being here. Thank you
2: guys so much for having me.
0: So <laughs> exciting and convenient that we like threw you a text and we're like, any chance you have any plans to be in New York City? And it was like, yes. And here you in are. Five days. We've
2: met. Yay. Yay. <laughs> no, I'm so delighted.
0: Okay, good. You're the best.
2: You're the best. Hey.
0: Watch You're the Worst on Hulu. No, that's true. Thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to Marie Barty for our social media and helping to produce the show. Thank you to J.J. Birch for our research. What school did he graduate from? He never brings this up. You, Madison. A.J. McKeon, Alex Barron for our editing. Lee Montgomery, The Great American Novel for our theme song. Joe Bowen and Pat Reynolds for our artwork. You can go to blankcheckpod.com for some real nerdy shit, including links to our patreon blank check special features where we do commentaries on film series like the bond movies we're doing the brosnan bonds right now and we'll have done a fincher music video episode recently david is actively texting he's closed the laptop which is rare but something very interesting is happening on his
1: the weekend just got added to the academy i don't know how you feel about that anyone else uh, David Zaslav. I mean, they're really bringing all the. They big added
0: Zas. He's a
1: fucking head of Warner. Brothers. I fucking hate that.
0: <laughs> what do you want
1: from Zaslav? Zazz- not that. I want of...
0: anything but that. I want
2: him kicked He's out. He's about to get fired, and then he'll just be a. Weird Maybe they'll kick can... him
1: out. What if they kick you out? You got fired. Boink.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they added the weekend.
1: Yeah, why not? What are these fucking
2: picks are out. Of, they're out of ideas. Guys.
1: They added Che Diaz. It's just the HBO Max lineup.
2: <laughs> che Diaz,
1: and just like that. Uh, look, this episode's <laughs> dropping. Uh, we're about to do a uh, Fincher music videos episode.
3: I'm
0: okay, sure. so then it's happening, coming soon. Tune in next week for Zodiac, mm-hmm. and as always, Eva's phone case is David's love. <laughs> it genuinely is.
3: Mm.